Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Christmas one and all. Welcome to this very special festive edition of Cajun Presents Copla Connections. We'll be talking about a Christmas film. We'll be talking about Last Christmas, uh, directed by Paul Feig. Yeah, we'll get all into all of that. This one is, um, yeah, it's got a Copa connection, obviously. The big old Copa connection film. That's what we do here. If you are new here, welcome. Merry Christmas. Come in from the cold. Join us by the fire as we watch every single film in the collective Coppola family filmography to determine are they the greatest film family of all time. That's what we do here. And I'm joined by a guest, and this one is an absolute hoot of a guest and an absolute hoot of an episode. I had a lot of fun recording this episode uh, just after this episode being recorded i got very very ill and that that will make this the kind of final episode of the year i had planned to release one in the festive perineum i had had plans to release this earlier but i have been real sick as a dog so i've had no chance to edit this and do all the good stuff that i need to do to prep for the episode to be in your ears but i thought what better day to release this Christmas Eve, you're there in the festive spirit. I know after tomorrow, people probably won't want to listen to a film about a Christmas film, but trust me, if, if, if you are, if this is the 27th of December, 2022, if it's even later, if you're listening to this in June 2023, thank you. You are a madman. You are a person after my own heart. Um, yeah, this one is a lot of fun. I think you'll enjoy it. We'll obviously speak about this film and all of its details. If you've seen Last Christmas, you will know you cannot talk about this film without talking about a very specific moment, a very specific plot point. And, uh, yeah, we get to that. Of course we get to that. We had to get to that. We have to get to every single little nitty-gritty part about this film, and we do. Here my fantastic guest, Simon, the, the elf to my Santa. We talk all things... Last Christmas, all things Paul Feig, all things Christmas. Some absolute joy of an 
episode. I very much hope you enjoy it. And uh, just wanted to take this moment to say thank you for everyone for listening to the podcast this year. I know nearer to the end, as winter hit, um, things got a bit rocky. Not rocky, but uh, releasing wasn't as uh, regular as usual. Uh, it's, yeah, I've, I've been kind of on and off battling some illness, uh, fighting my own demons. But it's, but it's been good. 2023, yeah, we'll do better. We'll do better. It'll be, it'll be our year, guys. It'll be our year. We'll, we'll smash it. But um, until we get to 2023, sit back and enjoy this episode. As we, uh, yeah, make some couple of connections. So, last Christmas we talked about the 2019 film Klaus. This Christmas we're talking about the 2019 film. Last Christmas we talked about the 2019 film Klaus. This Christmas we're talking about the 2019 film. Last Christmas we talked about the 2019 film Klaus. This Christmas we're talking about the 2019 film. Last Christmas we talked about the 2019 film Klaus. This Christmas we're talking about the 2019 film. Last Christmas we talked about the 2019 film Klaus. This Christmas we're talking about the 2019 film last christmas we talked about the 2019 film klaus this christmas we're talking about the 2019 film last christmas we talked about the 2019 film klaus this christmas we're talking about the 2019 film last christmas we talked about the 2019 film klaus this christmas we're talking about the 2019 film last christmas we talked about the 2019 film klaus this christmas we're talking about the 2019 film last christmas we talked about the 2019 film klaus this christmas we're talking about 2019 film last christmas is a christmas set rom-com which is directed by paul feig and written by emma thompson and briny kimmings it stars amelia clark henry golding michelle yo emma thompson boris isaacovich and lydia leonard the film cinematographer and our festive coppola connection is john schwartzman to help me see if the coppola family would take your heart and keep it or they'll give it away the very next day. And to see if this film is like being at Club Tropicana where the drinks are free, or we'd rather go outside in the sunshine, is one third of the Jumpcast podcast, and one half the Little Women in Black Thunderpants podcast, Simon Whitlock. Simon, Hello. how are you today? I'm really well, thank you. What an introduction that was. Can I just take a second to appreciate oh. that? Oh, thank you very much. Uh... That was... Technical wizardry on another level. Yeah, um, yeah, that is a joke I've had in my head ever <laughs> since I heard the title "Last Christmas." I was like, I was like, well, I'm going to cover that on the podcast. Uh, let's just um, do an infinite loop to, uh, yeah, maybe it'll be longer in the edit, guys. If you, uh, <laughs> there, there's going to be people cursing me, isn't there? With the, like, I thought the podcast was broken because for ten <laughs> minutes it was on an inf- it was on a loop. <laughs> oh god that was no that was fantastic like just oh, hats off to you thank you well i must say up front as well a very merry christmas to you this is uh 
This is yeah. our, our, our Christmas special here on Copla Connections. Um, well, thank you for having me for the most wonderful time of the year. Merry Christmas to you too. Merry, Merry Christmas. Um, I've got a couple of like questions that I, I, I didn't pre-send you because it is, it's the festive period. I kind of wanted your Ooh. your gut reaction. I didn't want you to mull over it too much. Um, hey, very good. Hey. Uh, <laughs> and I don't want you to whine about it either, Simon. Ah. <laughs> um, the, the, the first one being, of anything that is in a Coppola family film, like into, throughout all of it, there might be a favourite film of yours. Um, is there like a prop you would like one of them to gift you for Christmas? Ooh. Okay. That's a really good question. I mean, having had the unbearable weight of massive talent this year, I feel like there are so many props from that film from other <laughs> other cage yes, films. Yes, I think, you know what? Because I had such a fondness for it when I watched it, whenever that film came out, 2018, that weird axe thing from Mandy. Oh, yes, baby. Yeah, that's the ultimate dream, right? That's, uh... Oh, yeah. either that or the six-foot-long chainsaw. Yeah, there, there, there's, so, there's something about that axe, though. It'd be, like, really cool owning it, but at the same time, you look like the kind of guy who's never, like, felt the touch of another human being. Like, yeah. it's, it's, it's the constant, like, it's the constant thing you have to weigh up. It is. This is the thing, because okay. I, you know what? I'm not, I'm not ashamed to put my nerd cards on the table. Yeah. I've, been, I've been to the odd convention, you know? I've seen some things out there. I've been, I've been to places where they're like swords for sale. I've yet to actually fully, you know, hold my nose, plunge into that pool. Mm -hmm. But I have seen some and I have gone, you know what? I could own Glamdring. I could, yes. I could have that on the wall. And then I remember that my girlfriend would leave me and take everything with her if that happened. Because I, I think there is a fine line as well of people who know what it is and get it, love it. Yeah. And then like kind of, do you know what I mean? Casual, like casual film watchers who, who aren't really oh, into yeah. the weeds on it all might come into your flat or whatever, see like a, a sword or an axe on the wall and just go, who the fuck is this guy? Think he is? <laughs> <laughs> well, you, got, you got nunchucks and ninja death stars as well. Like, what's going like, on? I feel like if pop culture has taught us anything, is that there are only two types of people that own nunchucks and swords, and that is people who, like you say, have never felt the touch of another human being, or terrifying drug dealers. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, Which... like, there's no in between. There's no like, oh, I'm a, I just dabble in the odd sword collection. Yeah, I, 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 I believe I'm neither of those. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you yeah. haven't broken bad yet. That's no, so really... no, 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 no. Yeah, that will be. That will be. That will be when this podcast finally gets too much for me. <laughs> Do you know I mean? like, Can the stop releasing films now? <laughs> um, so. Let let let's set the scene here. It's it's Chris. It's Christmas Day. You've <sighs> you've been invited to someone's house. Oh, you 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 you're excited. You're anticipating a, a day full of yuletide joy and frivolity. Um, but which of the Coppola family? It may it may not be your favourite member of the family. It might be who you think is going to have the. Do you know what I mean put on the best spread? Oh, have, have, yeah. have 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 the best decorations. Whose house would you most want to be invited to on Christmas Day? 
You know what? I feel like I have no basis for this. I would say Sophia. Mm. I would say Sophia Coppola because I feel like if you go for like Francis, if you go for like the big granddaddy, he's gonna it's gonna be a bit too much expectation to kind of have brought something as a big guest or something like that, and you'd be constantly like, you know, you'd be starstruck. Uh-huh. I mean, you'd still be starstruck with Sophia or well, any of them, really. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I still feel like she has that kind of vibe of like, oh yeah, come on over, bring a bottle, that kind of thing. And I'm like, cool, we're just going to hang out at the sh- like adjacent to the Chateau Marmont and just you know, yeah, bring it like, over stories. Or, or she's yeah, she's she's like yeah, come over to the Manhattan like apartment. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And it's kind of like yeah. She's got her husband, Thomas Mars, from the band Phoenix. He's, like, playing a white piano for some reason. He's like, uh, yes, let oh, me... Oh, yeah. Let, let, let me play you a couple of Christmas songs. <laughs> well, yeah. they, they, do have, um, they do have a Christmassy song, don't they, Phoenix, from the, when they did the Bill Murray special? Yes, of course. Yeah, yeah. She'd, be, yeah, she'd probably be like, oh, yeah, and by the way, we've got bi- Bill's, Bill's coming over. You'd be like, who's Bill? Oh, and yeah. Then, and then, then, and then, knock, then knock, Mar- knock. Yeah, M- Murray's there, and you're going... <laughs> Hurry. <laughs> don't put me in a bin oh god <laughs> i'll get off the sofa i promise okay 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 leave gina davis alone you've had one oh. too many mold wines <laughs> oh god <laughs> oh, that's yeah that's, christmas christmas day is always gonna end in tears so. oh yeah <laughs> <laughs> so so with that kind of disastrous end to the day of christmas um yeah Lead leads me perfectly into the 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 wider Coppola family. And when did you become aware of them? As like, I don't know, was there an yeah? Who was your entry? And then when did you kind of realize there was this? I don't know, almost like twelve days of Christmas. S. Do you know what I mean? It's like on the first day of Christmas, we've got Francis. Do you mean one Nicholas Cage? Yeah, yeah. They kind of just keep going and going, going. Oh yeah. So, well, with, with the Nicolas Cage thing, I was proper, like, I think even, like, mid or post-uni when I found out that he was a coppola. Like, that was a late-on revelation. I think for me, like, my entrance point was probably Apocalypse Now. Oh. I say it was, yeah. So, like, I remember my dad, like, we bought a DVD player, like, a couple of years prior. The, the Redux had come out on DVD. And my dad was like, you're going to love this. You're going to sit down and watch this. And I was just like, it blew me away. Like, not least because we just invested as a family in this ridiculous, <laughs> like, surround sound. But it was just like, he he was loving it because, you know, proper dad movie type vibe. And then I was just like, this is what a film can be. Like, this is phenomenal. And then obviously you read all the story afterwards. I was like, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, what an absolute trial that was. But yeah, at the time, I was just like, this is excellent. And who's like, I'd never like, th- that was just like, as maybe like 14, 15 year old, like definitely way too young to be watching it. Mm-hmm. But also like at that age where you're like, I want to watch something that's going to challenge me. Yeah. I, I can definitely picture a dad getting really excited with like the <laughs> advent of DVD as well. And the first thing they think, all they're thinking about with like putting apocalypse now on with that surround sound is those helicopters. 
They're going to sound oh, great yeah. on this. Just the, on a... <laughs> You know what it was? It was that, and it was the Fellowship of the Ring when we got surround sound. And my dad was like, right, oh, you got to watch this, right? you got, right, okay, sit here. And, like, so with the, with Apocalypse Now, it was the choppers with the Valkyrie and everything yeah. else. It was the, it sounds like it's coming from over there, over yeah, yeah, here. Yeah. Uh, like, oh, wow. And then we got, um, I remember when we got Fellowship of the Ring on DVD, we got, like, because we, you know, purists we got like the normal ones and the extended ones and then eventually the extended ones took pride of place but um but yeah when it has that bit at the beginning when it's like the battle of the last the the final alliance and all that kind of thing and it's like sauron explodes and it has that like subwoofer like thing going out literally i don't think anyone visited and didn't have to be succumbed to that (laughs) subjected to that like genuinely they were just like oh yeah you got oh yeah we got this oh you got to check this out right simon put on the put on the dvd okay yeah right which bit do you want yeah that bit okay cool (laughs) it's just like every time for about i want to say about two or three years like anyone came over like oh you gotta look at this yeah (laughs) there's like i know there's people who are like i've got i've got the go-to album when i get the new sound system or we've got the the go-to film i could imagine I could definitely imagine apocalypse now being one of those for a, oh yeah for, for a certain generation being like gotta test gotta, gotta, gotta test out that sound bar gotta test out that <laughs> gotta test out the new uh the new sonos system right let's let's get apocalypse now on guys <laughs> <laughs> absolutely but yeah oh man what an experience that was to kind of have that as like a first time thing so when you saw apocalypse now did it kind of um I don't know, put something in you that you wanted to check out more of his films and what was the kind of next step if that were the case? Interestingly, I think in terms of my inquisitive nature when it came to all things Coppola, or Coppola I'm not actually sure how you pronounce that properly. Coppola. I'll come to you. Cope. Coppola. Cope. Yeah. Okay, there we go. I, I'm, I'm, glad I, I'm glad it was you who was the first person I asked about that. Because, <laughs> thank God. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think in terms of other bits, I'd always been aware of like The Godfather mm-hmm. and like that was a thing again, like with home video and things like that. Uh, my dad had the trilogy as like this massive, like it was like four VHS set thing that was just like almost like the bookshelf that it was almost creaking, like you know, yes. it like bends on. Like my god, it was this thing that was just there, and it was like this monolith almost. And so when I saw that, I was like, okay, I'm gonna give this a go. And like the first time I tried to get through The Godfather. Um, as I say, tried to get through because it was not successful, unfortunately, mm-hmm. because I was a teenager and, you know, I'm foolish, foolish times. Um, but since then, I'd watched it again in full and enjoyed it and taken it all in. And after that, honestly, I started like realizing other connections. Like I said, with Nick Cage, um, it was something that I hadn't clocked until I was definitely in my 20s. So <laughs> something that passed me by, but like um, Sofia Coppola, Coppola and uh, Jason Schwartzman's films, especially mm-hmm. like Scott Pilgrim versus the World, became my entire personality when I was <laughs> As eighteen many or nineteen. People. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like him and like so when he was in stuff, I was just like took a moment to pay attention, you know, and be like, I'm gonna watch this. Which led into a lot of like Wes Anderson stuff, mm-hmm. and like behind me there is actually something from the French Dispatch, which is not yeah. on there on purpose. It was entirely there coincidentally. That. I spied that like the absolute yeah. anorak I am. I'm like, oh, it's the, <laughs> it's, it's, the, it's the no reservations thing from. Uh, from uh, the yes, yeah, the no crying sign oh, from amazing. the French Dispatch. 
Um, yeah, it was entirely coincidental, genuinely. I was like, oh, I've just moved in here. I'm going to put this up um, because it's funny to have behind me in work meetings, that kind of thing. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, genuinely, like it just ended up being a whole rabbit hole that I found myself falling into. And since then, like, yeah, just looking at like, because you've put this so beautifully in like a family tree mm-hmm. and just seeing it, it is just astonishing, the dynasty. Yeah, that and that's very much what it is. I've always said this kind of like film dynasty. It's like a, I don't know, it's like a family business at this point as well, which is kind of quite, quite sweet and heartening. I I, I always feel that it breaks through nepotism because, yeah, it's almost like that's all that these people know. In the same way that, I don't know, you could have been there in the in in the bakery needing dough from when you were like, do you know what I mean, like fi high. And it's yeah, like, yeah. Sophia and Roman grew up on film sets. You mentioned Apocalypse Now. Like, there's behind the scenes footage of like Sophia Coppola just kind of like there in the mud with all of them and kind of like oh, when yeah, it's flooding. Yeah. She's there, not really doing schoolwork, just kind of like soaking in movie making. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Uh, funny enough, I was listening back to the episode you and Claire did about a simple favor to get some Paul Feig. Yes. Vibes, vibes you know see 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 where the uh yeah see where the sentiment was in terms of the uh the feeg oeuvre yeah let's yes. say that um on on the pod and yeah you guys made a really valid point on that one as well about the accusations of nepotism is that like exactly like that like this is something that we would have done in any field of work mm-hmm. for hundreds of years is you know, it's the classic, like, oh, my, I, I'm a plumber, my dad were a plumber, his dad were a plumber kind of yeah. thing. Like, it will happen. Like, it's not anything to be ashamed of. Yeah, um, I think we said it on that episode, right? If you, yeah, see, exactly. like, if, if you yeah. see a company that's like Whitlock and Sons, you go, oh, they're, 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 they're a good locksmith. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly, like, yeah. It's a, fa- it's a family affair. Like, whereas, I don't know, like. It's so bizarre, isn't it? Where you have that, like, that and Sons and family in any other trade and you're like, yeah, I trust that. That's heritage. Yeah. When it's filmmaking, it's, oh, well, I don't want to watch a film with Uma Thurman and Ethan Hawke's daughter in it. Mm. Oh, how did she get that role? Like, yeah, yeah, who yeah. cares, man? Yeah, she's proved herself to be pretty damn good as well. Like, she's yeah. Kind of, <laughs> a multi-hyphenate talent as well. Well, well, absolutely. Uh, just, yeah, it goes to show that these things aren't, like, I, I'm sure there are cases in the real world and, you know, and, and in movie land or whatever, where that doesn't always come trumps but you know it works for a reason and you know these people are successful for a reason yes 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 yes. um so yeah you mentioned a a love of uh, jason schwartzman yes yeah i I must ask you when did when did you did you know he had an older brother called john before i I approached you with this uh with this podcast this is one of those things that you know when someone's been involved in films that you've seen and enjoyed for years and music videos as it turns out for Mm. years and years and years and you just kind of go hang on a second he's been doing this this whole time yeah yeah kind of like arguably as is either to thank or to blame for uh, Michael Bay's kind of whole style like he's he's there early on like (laughs) (laughs) you know what I as soon as like you look at things like Armageddon and The Rock. Like say what you will about those films, but they look gorgeous. Oh yeah, they're, and they're in the they're in the Criterion collection, baby. Well, like, exactly. That's not there you go. Like, <laughs> 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 uh, 
but yeah, I he's just I don't know. He's he's got he's got a fantastic eye, and that really comes in again in this film to to bring it to last Christmas. Perfect. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that. Have you ever have you ever met a Copla? That, that that's something I need to ask you, Ooh, Simon. That you? is a good question. You know what? I've not. I've like my brushes with fame and celebrity have been very few and far between. Like very much kind of walking down a corridor or a road or whatever and just going, hang on a minute, what? Who? That? That's so and so. Um, and I was thinking about this and I was trying to think like, have, has anyone I've kind of had a chance to speak to about films and everything like that even brushed with it? And I think so far I've missed them. I think mm. it might come up if it does, I'll report it. But yeah, at the moment it's, um, they've, they've eluded me. Yeah. I think the closest I've ever came is, I guess I was in Berlin at the same time as Jason Schwartzman, I believe for the Oh, well, I think that counts. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My my that <laughs> and this was I was I was on a I was on a romantic getaway with my then girlfriend. Mm. And it's how much of an idiot I can be. I didn't realize uh cuz I wasn't really I don't know, I was, I was into films but not really into like what is going on on the film calendar in regards to like festivals. Sure. It happened to be the Berlin Film Festival when we were there. Oh, okay, yeah. And it kind of twigged us. Oh, that's why we're in an Airbnb way out of town. That's why. <laughs> that, that's why it's so fucking busy. And I was like, I was like, what? Wes Anderson's here. Bill Murray's here. Like Jason Schwartzman's here. I was like, kind of like, like trying not to derail our romantic getaway and be like, oh, let's just try and meet these people to like make matters worse. I think like. I don't know, like two days into our four-day stay, our Airbnb host said, oh, I'm working the festival. Let me know if you want to go to anything. And I was like, oh, I was thinking last night was the premiere for Isle of Dogs. Like, you could have just oh. snuck in. Like, if I'd known earlier, like, we could have snuck in or something. Like, Oh, gosh. Be like, can you can you just sneak us into to the party? Can Do we, us a favour, yeah. Come on, come on. We, we'll, we'll leave you five stars. Come on. <laughs> oh well. Um, what what is Christmas without sharing some shameful uh, secrets? So um, <laughs> no shame there, I'd say. So Simon, what would have been the first? Obviously, yeah. You said you realised kind of when I sent this to you that. Uh, John Schwartzman is somebody whose work you had seen. Do you know what would have been the first John Schwartzman film you would have come across? So film-wise, it probably was something like Armageddon. But I was thinking about it, and I was looking through IMDb, and probably the first interaction I had, um, again, no shame, I hope. Nothing to be, you know, we're all, we're all friends here, uh, would be the music video for Christina Aguilera's What a Girl Wants. Oh, yeah, beautiful. I think, you know, it's, one again, wonderfully shot, dynamic. It's exactly like a Michael Bay film, but two minutes, two and a half minutes, three minutes long. But it's, yeah, I think that might be the first entry point without even knowing it. Well, yeah, because he's got like an amazing thing. I, I, I believe it was like mentioned around the time. I remember like Paul Feig speaking about it on an uh, interview when he was talking about um, A Simple Favour, saying like... Mm. John Schwartzman was kind of like the go-to guy with that because he, like, not only, like, is he a music video guy, he'd been, like, a commercials guy as well. So, like, had, yeah. had done a lot of, like, high-glossy Victoria's Secret ads and stuff like that. So when they were trying to convey, like, the kind of shooting people looking good in dresses and stuff like that, it's like, <laughs> oh, 
I think I know how to do this. Do you know I, mean? like, <laughs> I, 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 I know just the guy. Yeah, and I can I can kind of I don't know mess around with the uh, yeah erotic thriller genre that that film does. Like it's like I've just done two of the Fifty Shades films. Like, I think I've got, I think I've got it in, the, in in my back pocket. <laughs> I'm the kind of guy to do that film. <laughs> oh man, you know what? I don't hate those Fifty Shades films. Uh-huh. I think they they're trash i mean they are they let's let's be honest Mm -hmm. but they are like i i kind of have a thing towards trash is that you have to like if you don't go into it wanting something then you can't appreciate well first of all you can't appreciate the the films the capital f films cinema you know that kind of thing but also they're just genuinely entertaining and there's a real craft and love in there and Again, Fifty Shades Freed especially is not a good film. It's bananas, though. It's so fun. Like, genuinely, I've never laughed so much as I have in those films. Yeah, yeah. You, you you can, well, it's more for the listeners, but you can, yeah, you can head on right back to about a year ago when me and Charlie Vero Martin kind of over maybe like a six-week period, maybe maybe a little bit longer, did all three films even oh, though the first one wow. doesn't even have a connection we're like if we're gonna do it let's go full bore <laughs> and talk about all three of them and if, yeah, yeah. It's like that if anything i think I, I think i've gained a lifelong friend because of that kind of bonding experience of watching <laughs> and dissecting those three films of charlie it was a it was a yeah it was an experience to say the least <laughs> bonding over bondage on that note let's talk about last christmas but before we do so let's listen to the trailer look okay it's not my fault i bet nothing's ever your fault is it darling you have thrown away your life working in some silly christmas shop baby don't cry This is my little helper. I have nicknamed her Lazy the Elf because she appears never to work. Father, Merry Christmas, get me out of here. What? Jesus, where'd you come from? Well, what are you looking at? Might be a falcon. Oh, damn it! Uh, I think you just pooed in your eye. Yeah, I think so. It's good luck, you know. What is? Getting pooed on by bed. I'm busy. You're weird. Goodbye. You've missed five doctor's appointments. Mum is scared. So, uh, tell me about sleep. She never sleeps. Exercise? Not at all. Alcohol? Oh, she's drinking like the pirate. Well, okay, fine. Thank you, Doctor. Thank you so much for your time. Let's go, Mum. Whoa! You! Again. What do you mean, again? Did you follow me here? Are elves always so cynical? Yes. Relentlessly, these are dark times. I'm Tom. Kate? This is the bit where you murder me. So what is it that you do? I sing. Oh, that's amazing. Anyway, boring, boring, boring. I'm not bored. You are so strange. <laughs> where are you going? We're in there. Well, you're not homeless. No, I volunteer here. <laughs> Why didn't you just get saint tattooed on your forehead? You were great at your job when you started, but now it's like you don't care anymore. Hi. Oh, hi. Hi. Can I help? I'm a mess. I was really sick and I nearly died. I don't tell people because they get weird. But I don't think you'll get weird. No. I'm 
just scared all the time. I, they just expect me to be normal and get on with life. There's no such thing as normal. You know, just being a human being is hard. Maybe you should do something nice for someone. Deck the halls with bells of holly. Fa la 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 la. Tis the season to be jolly. Oh boy. I've been volunteering at the shelter. Seriously? That sounds like a healthy choice. What's wrong with you? I've been trying to find you. You keep disappearing. And then when I do bump into you, accidentally, I might add. It wasn't accidental. Why me? It's always going to be you. You like? <laughs> You're going to make mistakes, and that's okay. You're made of everything you do. So this film was released on November 8th, 2019 in the US and the following week on the 15th of November, 2019 in the UK. It had a budget of 25 to $30 million and a box office return of $123.4 million. So it washed its face and then some. Um, Simon, do you fancy taking the task of telling us what last christmas is all about absolutely thank you so it's all about kate a couch surfing mid-20s full-time elf worker at a christmas store in covent garden she's a little bit fed up with well she's she's so saturated with christmas that she's not really with the christmas spirit and well she's loving life she's enjoying some fast love if you will <laughs> but one day she goes outside and meets Tom, played by Henry Golding, who teaches her not only to love herself, but to reconnect with her family and with the spirit of Christmas. And, well, he might just have the key to her heart. Oh, oh Simon, get that on the poster. Um, was this a film that you anticipated when, when when you knew it was coming up yes yeah unequivocally i <laughs> so i really enjoyed paul feig's work with uh, a simple favor i loved ghostbusters despite the vitriol that it received from so many quadrants which was bizarre um and i really enjoyed his work in spy as well mm -hmm. and then because i actually haven't have not sit i've not yet seen the heat i really want to oh. it's been on my radar forever but yeah, I just like, I just love his way of just presenting humor. And mm -hmm. it's just like, it's, it's, it's funny and it's edgy, but never cynical or cruel. Yes. And it's just like, that's, that's the mix I think is just right. And then when you pair that with Emma Thompson, whose writing is just like, I mean, it's Oscar winning. Like, there's no <laughs> way about it. Um, <laughs> For a very different kind of... Uh, very, very different kind of, <laughs> Yes, admittedly, yeah. Um, but when you've got, like, her sensibilities, and when she's... Her senses and sensibilities. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't not. Um, but, when you've, but when you've got a writer like Emma Thompson on a good day, and then you've got Paul Feig, who knows how to get comedy and knows how to get kind of relationships just right, especially between kind of very just oddball people. Mm -hmm. I just found myself thinking, this is going to be great. And all to the sound, all to a George Michael soundtrack with, you know, a George Michael conceit 
at the center of it. Mm-hmm. I just found myself thinking, oh, this is this is great. I, you know what, this could be the worst thing I ever see, and I will be there day one. And I was, I was there literally opening weekend, um, watching it with some friends, and I think everyone was just ready for exactly the vibe it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Like everyone was just like, you know, everyone. It's it's one of those films where you know what you're going to get from the trailer. Like that trailer that you just played has pretty much the whole film, actually. I'd yeah, say. yeah, yeah, yeah. Apart from apart from like a big a big twist that we'll get to. This is this is spoiler yes. filled, so we cannot talk about this film without talking about that kind of mammoth re- revelation. Yeah. and it is one of those twists i mean i don't know when we want to get into it probably later than now but i would say it's one of those ones where if you're at the end going what Mm -hmm. then i want to get to know you i want to know how you (laughs) pick because it's just the least like the least shocking spoiler Mm -hmm. i think in cinema history yeah yeah it's kind of because i i had never watched this film not sure whether i'd heard the twist Oh, okay. So I watched it for the first time, yeah, just last night and kind of rewatched it again today. To yeah, kind of yeah. Like really, really absorb it and take in some more stuff and write my notes. And I think I guessed the twist or, or I heard <laughs> it, heard it on release, like kind of, because despite being a Paul Feig fan, I don't know what it, what it was, what was it, 2019 this would have come out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My, my, I, I had, I had like a one-year-old son, so I was probably very like going to the cinema was the least of my like, yeah, le- least on my radar. Kind of, it's like you know, just looking after this human being, and they're like, it's always <laughs> like there's so much stuff to watch around Christmas that I'm just like, it's never managed to like sneak in. And oh yeah, for sure, yeah. I've this podcast given me an excuse. I've got it on DVD, but I also noticed last night well no like a couple of weeks ago it's on bbc iplayer i think for like the next it is 19 days of recording so i guess it will be it will be gone by like mid january if you're listening to this day of release um but yeah it's kind of it's uh, and i had a very cynical view going in as well i kind of i was willing myself to hate this film and yeah um i didn't Let's just leave yes. it at that. We'll, we'll, we'll get to we'll, we'll, we'll get to how 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 I fully felt about this film uh, later on because yeah, it was, it was a surprise. It was a surprise to me. Um, so in, yeah, in, in regards to Christmas films, like what are the what are your kind of like go tos like, and, and and does this film kind of fit into that kind of canon of Christmas films you've created for yourself? That's a really good question. I, I'm not like ever going to call myself a scholar of Christmas films, but I, I love them. I love them with all my heart. I think they are the perfect distillation of what, um, what cinema can be. Mm-hmm. It's just like you have like there's there's everything like everything that comes out in terms of festive filmmaking is always optimistic. It's always telling a human story. Like even when it's dealing with deities or mythical or otherwise beings um like it's always dealing with a story that has to hit home and i think that's with cinema I th- with, with christmas films i think it just every there's, there's never like there are some which i would just 
do not like whatsoever. And I feel like some of them might court controversy. So I'm not going to go down that road. Oh. But, well, I could. Okay, go on then, fine. <laughs> <laughs> All I had to do was make a sound, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, that's, God. That's yeah. how easy it is for turning. <laughs> Oh, I never said I had integrity. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, so in terms of the ones I love, I'll start with them. And it's, there are some bona fide classics in there. Things like It's a Wonderful Life makes me cry every time I watch it. Same with The Muppet Christmas Carol. That is just, a, it's a perfect film. Yeah. I think mean, it's 30 years old this year. I'm seeing it in the cinema. I'm watching it with the When Love Is Gone comes back and that kind of thing. I, I watched it on Sunday with my son. I took, oh. I took my four-year-old son to see The Muppet Christmas Carol at the cinema, and it was, I'm not sure who was more excited, me oh, or him. Like, amazing. Yeah, it's like, uh, just kind of him, like, him asking me questions about, like, is Tiny Tim going to be okay, Dad? I'm like, oh, we're going to have to find out, buddy! <laughs> <laughs> see, I wouldn't even be able to answer. I'd just be like, let's just wait till the end. <laughs> <laughs> but i think as well like so you got those and then i very much fall into the camp of die hard as a christmas movie yep. i know it's a boring debate but it is and you know even i think john mctiernan has gone on record at the action film festival this year to say it is a christmas movie so from his lips to ours and everything else you know it's it's it is a christmas movie and i think that is just a phenomenal it's a phenomenal film it's a great action film it's funny it's tense it's well acted and it's christmasy it's great it's all you need um i would say even so a recent edition actually one this year that really surprised me was have you seen violent night no it's it's, it's on my <sighs> list i need to I, I, need, I need to i need to get to the cinema to, to check okay. that one out so <laughs> this is a film that's a film that completely caught me off guard so i was like i went in on a friday night with some mates and had no expectations and then came out with like the biggest smile on my face. Like I am going to watch that over and over again. <laughs> it is so Amazing. fun. Yeah, I've, I've seen the trailer and I, I admit from the trailer, I was a bit like confused being like, is this a kid's film? No, no, no. It's, 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 like, it's, it's, it's like Home Alone meets Die Hard, but with Santa as opposed to John McClane. I was like, I think I'm yeah. kind of into this. Oh yeah, like if you liked um, Nobody and Bullet Train, I think it's from the same guys, like the same production oh, okay. company. Okay, okay. And so yeah, it's like incredibly violent, very choreographed, but just deeply satisfying on every level. And yeah, it's so good. Um, but yeah, I think on the other side though, and yeah, this will probably cause controversy. So who knows? Um, I don't care for the Home Alone films. Okay, okay. I, I don't know what it is. So I don't like, know if it's the yeah, self-aware no, humour. It's the you break it up there, Simon. You you you, you break it up. I mean, I mean, there's a dodgy. I mean, there's a dodgy connection. <laughs> the shortest episode ever. We haven't even got to the. Um, but no, I so I hadn't watched uh, Home Alone two until last year. We did it as this film club thing for Jumpcast, and I was I was ready to be pleasantly surprised because people love it. People like put it up there, and they're like, it's better than the first one. It's, you know, bigger in scale. It's the one that people kind of remember more fondly, I think. Mm -hmm. um, because in Home Alone 1, there's a lot of build-up. There's a lot of build-up before it gets to the break-in and the torture scenes. Yes. Let's be honest, that's what they are. And so with the second one, I was like, okay, fine. Let's give it a go, see what happens. And I just found myself thinking, I just, I don't know what it was. It was just, you know, when something is just ramped up to 11 
Mm-hmm. Well, well, one more than 11 because it was already at 11 with the yes, first yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, I just found myself thinking, oh, God. It's like when comedies get a sequel and you're like, you can tell they've got a lot more budget and they forgot to make it funny. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Anchorman 2. Yeah, yeah exactly. Anchorman 2, Hangover 2 and 3. Like, God, there are so many examples. And I was just like, oh boy, this is going to be long. And like, there was some sweet bits, like the pigeon lady I get is, you know, nice. And it's, but it's just like, yeah, I, I don't know, man. It just, I was just watching it thinking, God, I'd rather be watching, well, Home Alone 1. (laughs) I think some of that comes to the fact of like, and it is hard to shake for a lot of people is stuff that they just enjoyed when they were kids. And it's like, absolutely. Like it, it takes you back to that time. And I think that's what, Oh yeah. That's ultimately what Christmas movies are trying to do as a whole. Right. It's trying to capture the time that you watched it for good and kind of like capture a mood. And I guess that's how films get introduced to the Christmas canon. And I guess we can get into it a little bit with last Christmas, but like, I think we might be, a bit too early to talk about where this film whether it is a kind of christmas classic yet because what we're i'd agree only three years out and it's kind of it feels like it takes at least 10 years for the for for, for us to go do you know what i mean yeah yeah i don't think asda are going to be doing a last christmas like (laughs) tie-in ad campaign but like like they are with um elf at the moment yeah absolutely i think that's a really good point because yeah, I was trying to think, like, are there any, are there even any films from the 2010s that I would go, like, even then that I'd call classics, and I don't, like, beyond, like, well, the one we're going to talk about, which, I, you know, I have my own feelings on loving it, and I know some other people don't, um, and I know that's also getting a reevaluation in parts, but mm-hmm. it's, but yeah, I, I agree, I think it is too soon, I think, like, the 2000s are just now getting to a point where it's like, oh, I remember watching this, and that's only because, I think, as much as I hate to admit it, as someone who is in their early thirties, that is now retro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, like, like yeah, it's it's, <laughs> it's it, 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 it's insane. Like, it's what it's nearly. It's it's like the same distance between. Oh, what's the film? Um, the George Lucas film that he made about the fifties. Ah, oh, some people oh, are shouting at me. American right now. Graffiti. American Graffiti. It's like the same distance from then oh, to the no. seventh. Do you know what I mean? It's that. It's that same gap. And like they're probably like looking. <laughs> yeah, and like and like Back to the Future. It's like yeah, like twenty years ago kind of thing. It's like yeah. Oh, oh yeah. god, I am not looking forward to someone making a throwback movie about the emo phase. Yeah, this it's ha- it's, ha- it's happening. It's happening. Oh, no. Early thirties era directors that they're, 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 they're probably working on scripts. They're probably being banded about as we speak. Yeah, and also to my because I I was fully part of that scene. I I, I apologise to them. It's not just a phase, and we've had to say that to our parents so many times. So. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I retract that statement. So tell me about some of the things that you love about Last Christmas. Like, is the what what aspects of it? And there, there's I've got some things here on like discussion points that I, I wanted mm. to bring up. But yeah, t- tell me what it is. Not in broad strokes, like specific things that you love about this film. Sure. Okay. So specifically, um, I really, really love Amelia Clark. I really specifically love her. I think she is. A megastar. I think she proved that with like things like Game of Thrones already. Mm-hmm. But I think this was 
because she made that film, was it Me Before You or something like that? In, I think that was her. I don't know. Um, but she also did like a Terminator film, which was not so good, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, not her fault. But I always felt like she is someone who deserves to be like this super mega A-list forever. Like she has just got that star quality. And so when I was watching this, I just kept thinking she should just be in more things where she's allowed to be like happy and joyous and carefree and, you know, make the odd wisecrack mm. against like a male lead who's just ridiculously handsome. <laughs> you know? Well, I think what's good about this film and to, to that point of Amelia Clark's like performance is it allows her to be a messy woman. And I think yes. that some of that yeah. comes down to like something that Paul Feig has kind of been doing. Like one of like one of our kind of greatest like ally filmmakers to feminism. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like and I think Claire said it when we talked about Simple Favour. It's almost annoying that he like makes such kind of great feminist films in the fact that he is a man. Do you Absolutely. know what I mean? He's, he's yeah. Kind of what, <laughs> and it's and it's it's kind of I think it's really interesting because we've had a kind of plethora of films throughout the years where men are allowed to be arseholes and there are protagonists. Yeah. yeah. If a woman, like if a woman is kind of, yeah, a dick to people, it's like, oh, she's shrill, she's villainous or something like that. And I think what's, yeah, what is great about this is, is, is you get her and she kind of is kind of in that mold of like many a Bill Murray character. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Kind of throughout his career, like Groundhog yeah. Day or... I don't, just kind well, of even Ghostbusters. Yeah, well, to keep it in the season, like Scrooge. Yeah, like, that, he is yeah, like yeah. the ultimate dickhead, and then like he's allowed to redeem himself. Like we don't like. I remember I was looking through reviews of 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 Last Christmas, both kind of in media and on things like Letterbox, and so many of them are like, "Well, her character's so unlikable. How are we supposed to get on board with this?" It's like you extend that courtesy to so many male leads for mm. doing much worse than shagging in their friend's spare room like it's just like come on yeah if, if if you get that kind of um archetype in like i don't know like a seth rogan comedy or like an adam sandler film they're like oh they're a bit of a goofball like whereas like uh, and i think that very much speaks to you like you saying about that reaction and like people's reviews is this kind of weird ingrained misogyny that i i like to think that we're starting to shift away from like yeah uh, in, in films and it is like because re- i know there is kind of like a movement where people be like just let women be messy in, yeah in media absolutely. like it's something we don't really get to see and it's it's refreshing to see amelia clark get to do that in this and it's like oh yeah like and you, you i don't know you're 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 buying and you're kind of rooting for her yeah you you buy into that thing of like you want her to you want her to change for herself not like yes i don't want you to be annoying it's like i want you to have the kind of arc and the the growth that we get that we've we've seen male protagonists have for 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 decades upon decades absolutely i want that for you and it's like i want to be a part of this ride yeah no i completely agree i think What's so joyous about Kate as a character is that, yeah, she is allowed to kind of stagger into work late and be absolutely terrible to customers. Um, She's allowed to, yeah, run into auditions and absolutely wing it. She's allowed to, yeah, go and couch surf on friends, kill a fish and be allowed back in like a few days later, that kind of thing. 
Um, like, yeah, these are all things that, like you say, it's the, oh God, what are they like kind of thing. And mm-hmm. it's like, that should be harmless. Like, there is so much gender swapping of kind of conventions in this film that it just feels like, I feel like now we're at a point where if this film came out this Christmas, I think people would be like, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, no, she's she's allowed. But I think it goes to show how much movement we've made, even in like three years, yes. that people are able to have finally allowed that kind of messiness to be something which isn't a barrier. Yeah, I don't, I don't know what it is, whether there was like a kind of sea change or something like Promising Young Woman, where it's like, we kind of do have this messy protagonist and like that film doing so well, not just kind of in awards, but kind of seen by a lot of people and it kind of being like this kind of feminine. And I know that's a film that's kind of like dicey, like, do you know what I mean? People come down yeah, either, either yeah. way on it, but I think it is kind of another one that is pushing in the, in the right way. And Paul, Paul Feig has been doing it his whole career, right? Like in most part, like, bridesmaids like how yeah like yeah Kristen wig is doing that that same that same thing where she's like she's doing what all the what what what, what, what all the guys have been doing in those comedies for years she's kind of in that kind of seth rogan mold or yeah, yeah, yeah mold. i think that's what paul Fink does so well like on top of the oddball stuff like you know with freaks and geeks and tv and stuff and things like that is yeah when it comes to women like you say and like you and claire said previously and like you know it's just yeah it is like of course it had to be like the guy who dresses in the most like ridiculously dapper suits he's just like you know what i'm gonna make something that is just gonna blow these gender norms out of the water definitely and and it's it's it's, i think it's refreshing to see (laughs) and an emphasis on dream uh yeah in a yeah. sense here but henry golding playing the the, the manic pixie dream boy in this to a degree. <laughs> Do you know what i mean he's kind of got that element to him like oh more than that he's literally dancing down the street when he's introduced like yeah he yeah, is yeah. Like, <laughs> like yeah to the point where it is like if he's if he did this film like 15 years previously it would be zoe deschanel in a swapped role like mm-hmm. it would be like it, it would be the you'd get the snarky gruff guy and then you'd have her like wide-eyed curious and wondered about the world kind of thing yeah yeah like yeah, exactly. yeah, <laughs> yeah you got you, you got joseph gordon levitt there you got zach braff kind of like rubbing his yeah going, this is my kind of film <laughs> <laughs> and we'll call it garden state and we'll make millions of dollars we'll get, but yeah, yeah. No, it's, we'll get the shins to do the soundtrack <laughs> 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 it's dynamite we'll make a fortune <laughs> hollywood here we come <laughs> but no it's a really good point as well yeah i think having henry golding as just this object of desire yeah absolutely and just being like this yeah absolutely unattainable person for many reasons as we'll get to <laughs> um but yeah, again, it's just another nice little subversion. And I think so much of that not only comes down to, you know, credit to Paul Feig, but also to Emma Thompson for being able to just have the freedom to write those characters and kind of write as she sees it, as, as a woman. Like, I think that plays into it in a massive way. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know much about Bryony uh, Kimmings. Her kind of, well, I, I, I did a tertiary look and 
she seems to this is the only thing she's ever written for the sure, screen. Right? Yeah. And it's kind of yeah, I, I I found I found that 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 quite interesting that it's like, oh, it's like these two I don't know, like they had it they they had it in them that like, this is this has got to get in. And I know that they started writing the script in like two thousand and ten, I think. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, because had... I think because I think, yeah, they shared the idea of like they wanted to do this film and I'm guessing they must have had George Michael's blessing from the off because like he is through this film and this is three years after his passing yeah so i I think an interesting point to that is this film is set in 2017 despite yeah being released in uh 2019 and uh thank you imd trivia for this but yeah 2016 would have been the christmas that george michael passed away as well so there's like a kind of like almost like it's not just like the the characters went through this turmoil it's like kind of i don't know uh music fans kind of yeah like went through this kind of turmoil that christmas as well with with the passing of george michael i remember i remember hearing that and being like that really like rock do you know what I mean it was kind of like that yeah. that capper on at the time I remember thinking like 2016 was this absolutely behemoth year of seeing like yeah absolute yeah. idols passing away left right and center and it's like can it get any worse? It's like, yeah, George Michael is, <laughs> has died on Christmas Day. On Christmas Day. Yeah, with like, like the... Oh God. It's like this horrible irony. Do you know what I mean? He's got like one of the biggest Christmas songs of all time. And it's like, yeah, here you go. Like, he's passed away. It's genuinely just, yeah. I mean, I remember, I remember that, that year just so vivid. I mean, it was... God, it's going to be soon seven years ago that all this happened. Like, that is... Just time is time is a construct, but yeah, I I do remember that really this really vividly of having that Christmas day and already thinking like, well, here's you know 2017. How much worse could it get? And then because I think not long before, like there was the news that Ca- Carrie Fisher and uh, Debbie Reynolds had passed away, mm-hmm. and then it's just like, well, okay, well done 2016. You got us one more time, and then it's just like, yep surprise yeah yeah I think, like, I, think, I think the year began like in january with david bowie passing yeah, so I, kind of, yeah. Like, I think the world changed after genuinely that. and obviously like, that 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 was a pivotal year as well like for sea changes in the world like that was kind of the brexit vote had come through yeah. and then like yeah in like what is it october we got the or like september we got the the trump vote yeah. like in yeah. the white house and it's and I think that 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 like especially Brexit is something that comes into play in this film. It does, yeah. I think it's there is this kind of with with the film there is this kind of rally against cynicism and hate. I think again, it that's why it fits so well into Christmas and what makes it fit so well into the Christmas pantheon in terms of cinema is that it does have this kind of acknowledgement that there is awfulness in, in the world you know there is something that wants to divide people mm-hmm. out there um and it's almost like christmas is that time when you kind of defy that 100 percent. and like like that that aspect of it almost but like looking at it through my like my cynical brain as i said i was kind of watching this <laughs> film there was like my, my my mind was fighting against itself being like 
And like, well, my head was like being all cynical and then my heart was melting at the same yeah. time. That's that's kind of my experience. And like there was part of my cynical brain that was going like, there's too many plates spinning. Do you know what I mean? There's <laughs> they're, they're, why like, like obviously I get it. Like it, it kind of puts this film at a time and a place and it kind of speaks to something. And then but then there's part of like part of me that's going like make more of that do you know what I mean yeah. like, 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 like is it, a couple of scenes is not enough do you know what I mean like yeah but like and it's like oh there's and it, it does that I, I, I get it. It, it is a like they they had a story and there's like aspects of it it's like you watch it and go oh I can picture the film that is about this immigrant yeah. family and they're kind of into play and stuff like that and then i can totally see another film that is just totally about her like and kind of this kind of almost supernatural element to it of her kind of seeing the ghost of a of, of, yeah. of somebody from her past like and then the, 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 there's like another film where it's like all about this 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 young girl in the city who kind of um falls into helping at a like a soup kitchen but what this film decides to do is go fuck it let's just put it all into the blender <laughs> let's, let's just do it all <laughs> let's talk about it all let's talk about how brexit's fucked let's talk about how like homeless people are treated like poorly in this country and it's it's interesting i know, I know obviously it's written by two 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 british people but yeah. the fact is it's directed by an american and it kind of yeah you do get this kind of this almost like slightly removed step because i imagine some of the some of the choices that would have been made throughout the filmmaking and the fact is what a universal like yeah pictures movie is there's going to be an element of like we need to sell this to an international market right like yeah this has got to yeah. play in america as, as much as it has in the uk and i think I think obviously yeah, something like Brexit is, and I think I, I don't know. I I I I I I like that aspect of it. That like, it sometimes takes somebody from the outside to kind of point a finger and look at some of the stuffs like the ills of, of of a country. And I think it's a brave move on everyone's part as well to do, like this film could have been just popcorn, fluffy rom com fun, and they've gone no, we'll stick in something that kind of unfortunately still permeating to this day of like how kind of people who have a different name or speak a different language yeah, are treated. Yeah. That's it. A hundred percent. I think it really, I think at the heart, cause I'd like to think that I'm an optimist. Mm -hmm. I, I, I do my best on that front anyway. You know, <laughs> I try to see the best in things. And I do think that, that I think, even though there have been attempts, you know, some successful, some ongoing, some not so well, I think what the the general sentiment in terms of, you know, the Britishness of the world is that I do think that there is still somewhere an element that of people wanting everyone to just kind of be able to just live on their own terms and be happy and be able to just kind of have a place of one's own, you know, it's that kind of vibe, it, it, that kind of sentimentality. And I think, I think what Paul Feig gets so well, and I think what um, Schwarzman gets as, you know, as the lens on that 
is he gets like they both they like combine they get this kind of weirdly British kind of charming quirky like movie type thing you know almost on a vibe of like love actually would have been if it wasn't so hideous <laughs> um, yes <laughs> I just can't I, I can't help it I'm sorry it's just ugh, that film's the ick um but yeah like if that film was doing what it thought it was doing of doing this whole kind of like you know there is so much stuff going on but what connects us all is this and I think First of all, it looks better than Love Actually ever did. And I don't think I've seen London. I actually was trying to think when the last time London looked this good on screen. Yeah, I, I saw somebody uh, review this film one star and they said uh, half a star for the George Michael music, the other, the, the, other star, the other half star for just like the great use of London as like a location and making Genuinely. London great. It looks absolutely beautiful. Like I lived there for I lived there for a few years. I've moved out recently. And just being in it, like you do miss some of the magic of it. And I'm watching this, it's like, oh yeah, yeah, I get it now. I, I get it again. Like why I loved it so much. Um, so you have that, but then you have like again all this great humanist stuff about like help out with people who need it, mm-hmm. with people who are rough sleeping or homeless. Um you know, there's a whole like there's basically the whole story about how great the health service is, really. <laughs> like yeah. it's just like... Yeah, 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 yeah. It like <laughs> and let's let's get into the spoiler here. Let's get yeah. into the big spoiler here. This could be a ninety-six minute advert for why it's great to sign up to the donor list. Absolutely. If if the film would like if you could you could you could do a supercut of that moment when she realizes that Tom is the guy who like don't like who who passed away on Christmas and gave her 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 new heart. You could just use that and then at the end just have a little card that was like join the donor list now get your, get your get your donor card now and be like wow that's like the most high budget advert i've ever seen oh and I, absolutely I mean, <laughs> like, just yeah sign me up i'll save amelia clark's life any day yeah she, <laughs> she could be me- she could be messy with my heart any day of the week whether it's oh, whether well, it's attached to my know? body whether it's still beating <laughs> in my chest or if, if 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 i'm on a slab somewhere she can she, yeah, she can have my heart whichever way she wants <laughs> <laughs> but god that is so true i didn't even think of it as a donut <laughs> but there it is but yeah i genuinely think like we I feel like 360 days of the year. Let's let's give five leeway for Christmasiness. I do feel like people in the UK generally kind of, you know, I do feel like there are times when they can let the rhetoric get the better of them. But mm-hmm. I do think when it comes to Christmas, there is that weird. It's it's almost like you know how we kind of glorify like the the truce at World War One and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like I mean, that's something that always gets me. I'll be, I'm not gonna lie. Like whenever that comes up in media, when Sainsbury's did that advert like ten years ago, when it was like the centenary of the truce and they did the whole Silent Night thing, I'm not gonna lie. It got me, and I was like, this is an advert, and I'm like yeah. getting emotional with this. Um, it's just those things. Like it's it's almost like we just let time in the calendar for like a little triumph of humanity whether and i mean well this day and age it's harder to find that i guess with how things are but 
there will still be people out there who will seek that out and, you know, actively work towards it, whether they're, you know, doing their day job in saving lives or just kind of taking time out and helping. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what this film is, you know, it's it's a victory for those people. It's it's for that little kernel of yeah, us. I think Christmas goes, as, as a whole as well gives people license to like, be nice if that makes sense like yeah no absolutely i agree the rest of the year we're being like really polite but like it feels like you can just have unfiltered joy and like there is something joyous of saying like merry christmas or happy holidays to people and they're kind of like i did it yesterday whilst in town and like some people felt like not not just at random people like when i was leaving a shop like well i want to get that clear do you know i mean not just me in the street going (laughs) merry christmas just walking into a private property like yeah. merry christmas yeah just walk walking <laughs> walking inside of a shopping center going happy holidays <laughs> uh, not making eye contact this is uh, uh, no, said to you whether you like it or yeah. not god i you know what i did it on the phone earlier yeah, i was that's great. Prop- i was genuinely like i was in i was doing one of those like I was again doing some life admin and it was the classic like for this press one for this press two and at the end the person who was working clearly to some strike rate or something like that in a call center I was just like you know what I'm just I'm just gonna come out and say it it's the whatever of December I'm gonna say it and I just genuinely I felt like that warm fuzzy glow mm. yeah just like oh yeah feels good I, I even said it to a guy who refused me uh service of an 18 <laughs> certificate blu-ray <laughs> because <laughs> i didn't have any id um listeners i'm not sure if you've ever seen a photo of me but i'm sure simon can attest i do not look like a 17 year old boy oh i feel like we're both firmly in that camp to be honest so like I, what i should oh, have done yeah. is i was wearing i was i was <laughs> I, I i was wearing a hat at the time is i should have just take the hat off be like how many balding seventeen-year-olds do you know? <laughs> that, do you know what I mean? That like have it is a, a growing condition. epidemic. To be fair, like, <laughs> you know, like, like, uh, yeah, yeah, well, yeah. I'm, I'm just gonna get. It's still weighing on my mind. As, as you can <laughs> <hear>. <laughs> yeah, he had no Christmas cheer. I just wanted funny pages. All right, mate. I'm gonna take my services <laughs> elsewhere. Fuck you, HMV Crawley. <laughs> hey, I'm making a note of that, right? Yep. Da, da, da. <laughs> oh, amazing. Um, so let's talk about yes. some some more of the cast in this because I feel like there's a lot of ground to cover and we'll, we'll kind of rattle through some of it. But I like the fact that this has got kind of a, a skeleton cast. Like, there's a lot of character. There's a lot of people yeah. in it, but like there's there's not too many like it kind of does that thing right in like that you'd expect from a just a film in general but especially a christmas film like you kind of get to know your core group of characters quite well or they they serve their purpose as characters that you don't need you don't need loads of picture yeah this is love actually where it's like oh we're just going to bombard people with little snippets of different people and just hopefully they'll that that they'll like something or get moved by the by the Emma Thompson like storyline that 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 they'll forget that most of it's been shit yeah exactly yeah we'll we'll throw in a little bit of gold and then we'll have fucking Rabsy Nesbit being bombarded by Bill Nighy for <laughs> the other 90 minutes it's like oh jesus christ 
Yeah, because uh, the, the cast in this, apart from uh, Amelia Clark and Henry Golding. So, yeah, as I say, we've got Emma Thompson. And I guess here I want to I want to talk about the accent. What do we feel about Emma Thompson's accent? Okay, this was something that I knew we were going to get to eventually. And <laughs> it's like... It's like someone's done this beautiful like painting and then just somewhere you've just like seen like a like a little stick figure with a smiley face. Mm-hmm. And it's just like that's the accent. Like, oh, you were so close. Like it's a little bit it just feels very it just feels very like it sticks out. It really sticks out. Especially like, I don't know, in a time of like trying to represent like people do you know what I mean like yeah like there, yeah, there, yeah. There, there is a version of this film where like they cast it with and that's the thing they've got uh boris is a kovic which I, I i imagine is do you know what I mean like from maybe the former yugoslavia or do you know what I mean sure. it's it, it's clearly not from england do you know what I mean yeah, where it's like, yeah, like emma thompson it's like like I tell you, it's the one thing that felt like: is this a vanity move, or is this like them going? This is a way to like we've got a we've got Dame Emma Thompson in this. This will shift a few more tickets for the Grey Pound crowd. I think that's probably what it was. I think they were like Emma, can can you can you be on this? Okay, cool. What roles are available? Well, we've got the mum. Uh, okay, yeah, probably that. Like oh, okay, fine. I I I think she's genuinely one of these people who would be more than happy to sit back and just kind of be like, "Cool, yeah, I wrote this. Well, co-wrote it. This is fine." But yeah, I do think there was an, an element of how good's your Eastern European? Mm-hmm. Like it's borderline Borat. <sighs> you know what? It's ninety <laughs> yeah, minutes. It'll be fine. It is. It is. Yes. <laughs> oh, you 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 want a bit of good depression? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's it's just yeah it they did so well with everything else and yeah it just it does feel very very apparent that that was just like yeah this was not run by many people before she went on set like almost like daniel craig with his like creole accent on knives out when he just turned up and started doing it i wonder if that was what the case was i, lo- I, I love it like, I, lo- I recently saw glass onion and i could I could Ooh. I could listen to Daniel Craig do that voice. I know that him and Ryan Johnson have said they would make those films for as long as they can. <laughs> I'll have it. Every few years, if you want Daniel Craig to be like, well, uh, uh, something is a food. I'll be like, foghorn <laughs> lake horn me to, to death, Daniel. Yes, please. Murder, <laughs> I say. Murder most foul. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but Emma, yeah, Emma Thompson's accent is pretty, pretty pretty mm. ropey in this film. yeah um, yeah so yeah we, we talked about um boris in this what did yeah what did, what did you make of him as this kind of like i don't know almost like put upon like father I like figure <laughs> i thought even though like if you put aside the accent i do like the dynamic between the parents mm. i think this um vibe of the mother who's just very like why why do you never talk to me why do you never call me why are you never home here oh you're home now let me tuck you in and sing you to sleep with a sad war song like that yeah. kind of thing and then you got him just like you know what i'd rather be out cabbing in london and then just wait till she's asleep it's fine i, I love that dynamic i think that's just yeah that's perfect for me and i think i think lydia leonard is perfectly serviceable as yeah as as marta 
Like she, she very much has, uh, obviously she has a role to play, but she has a role to play within like the narrative. It's like almost like a, there's, this might sound disparaging, but like a box ticking of the, cause this film like does kind of hit every quadrant of kind of like, I don't know, like, uh, fit, do you know what I mean? Like modern things that kind of, sure, like, uh, sure. uh, are kind of issues, but kind of like in a, I don't know, again, that cynical part of my brain would be like, oh, like eye roll, but then like, sure, yeah. I, like I, the average GB News viewer would like their head would explode just looking at this film. Oh yeah, of course, of course. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like the 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 one grace that this film came out now as opposed uh, that came out in 2019 as opposed to now. Oh my god! Is it'd be like but the most woke thing I've ever seen. Like, yeah. It's a, yeah. It's, a, it's a woke. What do you mean? She's not just a lesbian, but she's she's <laughs> dating somebody who's black, like bloody yeah. hell, like. <laughs> it is genuinely like the culture wars that have just engulfed yeah. cinema. It's oh my god, it's so tiresome. Like Yeah, John Ronson would have to write a whole god. book just about the discourse on this film. Do you know what I mean? If it came out now. <laughs> <laughs> so here I am talking to talking to this gentleman who spent twelve hours on Twitter. Calling Amelia <laughs> Clark a cunt and call, calling Paul Feig the worst man on earth. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> that's actually a very good. That was a very good John Rose impression. First of all, I like that a lot. <laughs> Secondly, <laughs> I do feel like many many books could have been done about, at the very least, the Ghostbusters backlash. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And like, God, I mean, well. I have to say, even in terms of how this film was received, and like I know we'll get to this later because we're talking about other bits, but just even how Paul Feig responded to like the one star reviews and things like that of this film, like that is stuff that we wouldn't like. It just we wouldn't even get to that level of discussion now because it would be like you say, it'd be so bogged down in like the oh god, like that horrible word woke would just keep popping up. Like, can you sh- can you <sighs> share Paul Feig like? the kind of reaction that he had to the the negative reviews to this film oh sure yeah so uh this was so on social media he was actually very active mm-hmm. over um over the release period of the film so he was very he was very engaging with both sides to be fair to him like people who loved it he was like thank you very much thank you for watching our film you know really glad you enjoyed it there was very famously at the time a one-star review from Rolling Stone magazine. Mm-hmm. And he came back to it and people were like, oh God, oh, a director responding to criticism. This is, you know, mm-hmm. but he came back to it with the most grace I think I've ever seen anyone respond to a negative review. And he said, you know, I've been, I've been reading Rolling Stone for years. I really appreciate what they have to say. And thank you for your review. I'm sorry you didn't like it. And then he said something like, if it is just a one star, can it be a really big star? Uh-huh. And it's just like, oh, you, Paul. I think, I, you, I think uh, part of that is and he, he's kind of gone on record and he said like he feels like the way he handled the kind of backlash from Ghostbusters. I think that was a kind of learning curve for how kind of yeah. online he was and kind of responding to people. So it's, it's so heartening that not only like, not, not that you should have to learn from that because that film just got unnecessarily kicked. But it like, did. I guess it's a learning, learning. Yeah, it, it would be a learning curve of like I cannot just engage with all of this, and it's 
it's best, especially with a film like this, it's best to kill people with kindness, right? As opposed to like coming back so. with vitriol yourself. I think that's it. And I think, you know, so many people, you know, as, as someone who has done reviews for, like, like you mentioned at the start, for Jump Cast and things like that, you know, it's, it's easy to forget the craft and the people that go into making a film. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, when people respond to criticism, they do that wanting to protect those people. But I think it is so easy to get into a slang and match sometimes. And I think, like, credit to Paul Feig for not biting. I think that's, like, it just showed with this whole circuit. Because, again, this is fresh in the memory from when this happened. You, I, like, I think if, if a review has this line, you've got to have an eloquent response to it, which is incredibly shocking, momentally, uh, momentally bad, the kind of bad that falls somewhere between finding a lump, and co- a lump of coal in your stocking and discovering a painfully lodged, uh, uh, and discovering one painfully lodged in your rectum. You've got to come back with something eloquent to that because that is, that is despite do. a takedown, that is a great, that is a great little It line. is good. It's, <laughs> it's annoyingly good. It's one of those ones where you're like, man, if I hated this, I would have loved to have written that line. You know, it's yeah. like everyone loves a great hatchet job, I think, genuinely. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, like fair play to them. I don't agree, but fair play to them. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of people like with this film, like, yeah, it's, I don't tend to talk about the Rotten Tomatoes and stuff like that, but I think it is fair to say with this based on the critic, like, reviews like this is 46 so this very much like kind of has fallen both sides of the kind of yeah this is yeah an equivalent to marmite right either people really really got it and liked it like as i've said i've seen there's a lot of like four five star reviews and i've seen a lot of people on letterboxd there's a lot of three star reviews and i think like i don't know uh, yeah we'll we'll, we'll get to where i fall on, on 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 all of that uh in a bit but I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't see anything. If you were to think outside of yourself, Simon, like what would you think that is the kind of easy things to take against this film for, despite uh, obviously discounting the kind of culture war-y like, sure. gammon opinions? <laughs> I mean, it's hard to ignore them because they are so loud sometimes. But, um, But I think genuinely with this film, I think... Paul Feig has this, he, he's tried to, or well, he's not tried to, he has ridden this incredibly fine line between sincere and cloying. I think it's a line that a lot of Christmas films tread. Some of them stumble, some of them, you know, some of them fall in one camp or the other. And I think with this, I felt, for me, I thought he was getting that balance just right Mm -hmm. and i think for some people you know it's it's a film which doesn't want cynicism it's something that which ultimately actively repels cynicism i think if someone's coming into it um you know maybe similar to yourself but like you know absolutely not giving it an inch that kind of thing i think it's it's the thing that I find with rom-coms and I find with a lot of Christmas movies is that critically a lot of them get really kicked 
like it's a wonderful life being a prime example people were like oh this absolute dross like oh wanting to make a film about us all feeling you know all doing little good things for the community making one big thing excuse me pass the bucket kind of thing and i feel like with this when you had like coffee who already had you know been in the limelight for making a film which was critically divisive Mm -hmm. in like ghostbusters and then kind of getting a bit of acclaim back with a simple favor you know among the consensus you know i you know people who love all of those films and there are people who hate some of them and Mm -hmm. so when you have something like last christmas which is just unabashedly and unashamedly nice Mm -hmm. and which is just ready to go like full-blown christmas mania and do like the music thing as well with having like the full george michael soundtrack throughout beginning like literally frame one act one scene one frame one Mm -hmm. All the way through to the very end of the film, you're going to have George Michael music. You're going to have different versions of Last Christmas played either through animatronic gibbons yes. or like weird nativity scenes with like Jesus with teeth, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Um, but then you also have like just people doing like the most kind of like I'm in a Christmas movie level of like either performing because there are people, you know, it's. I'm never going to argue that this is high art, but I am going to argue that it is at least significant and, you know, it is art. I think it's, you know, well, there was on a, a level. There was a brief set and it's nailed the brief, right? It, exactly. It, exactly. It hasn't strayed from what it, like what you can imagine was intended to be made. It is the film that was intended to be made, which I think yeah. like most films, are like i don't think like this isn't one where it's like any like studio interference or like there was any compromise on it it's like so when you're gonna when you're gonna fall down on it is over why whether you buy into the sincerity and the kind of that's it the machinations and i think yeah a lot of people like the kind of main criticism i've i've seen is how kind of predictable it is it's like i think this is it as well i think Ultimately, you know, no matter how you feel about kind of the politics of it all or the characterizations or the performances or anything like that, I think the key thing is whether or not you are on board with. And okay, so I am going to, again, drop the big spoiler, I think here. If you can get on board with the conceit of the film being the first line of the song Last Christmas by Wham. Yes. Like I think either you go oh, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Or you go, that's brilliant. Like, that is yeah. so ridiculous that it's actually brilliant. <laughs> well, it's that thing that it kind of, it's like subtly like this mashup of loads of Christmas films as well. Like, mm. like Henry Golding's character is essentially the ghost of Christmas past. Like, Yeah, like, absolutely. In a way. And he's like kind of acting as this, yeah, he's like this apparition figure who's like guiding her to do better and kind of setting her on a path of doing like, like you said, like a wonderful life, doing these small acts of kindness for people. And we kind of get that super cut of her kind of trying to reconcile with people, righting the wrongs, whether it's, um, yeah, there's, there's that moment. And yeah, there's great comedian, Bilal uh, Safai, who, who plays the, the partner whose fish she killed. And like it's her giving yes. the fish back to him. Yeah. <laughs> it's her kind of giving the hamper to her put upon friend and her husband. Like 
with all the stuff for their baby and stuff like that. Like, and, and that great little kind of topper to that, that great kind of cutaway gag we get where the, the husband's really annoyed about the fact that she burnt down his like, matchstick <laughs> galleon and, and she's bought him a she's bought him a yeah ship in a bottle being like yeah this one's a lot harder to burn down like, <laughs> like that that all oh, that stuff's like it's great and like yeah play, plays upon that kind of stuff and it's what there's like christmas movies are all essentially a do you know what i mean uh do you know what i mean a different form on the same set similar riffs like, yeah, absolutely. You mentioned I Violent think... Night, as I said, like that is Home Alone. Yeah, meets meets Die Hard, like with with Santa in the mix. It's kind of like yeah, yeah, like throw a bit of Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street in for a good yeah, measure. Yeah, exactly. like... <laughs> <laughs> but no, I completely agree, and I think well, I mean, there are no finer examples of that than the hallmarks and the show type, lifetimes in the world and that kind of thing. Or where ne- it Netflix is... now. Do you know I mean, Netflix has kind of Netflix taken that now. mantle. Yeah, absolutely. Where it is like, you know exactly what you're going to get. And I have to give credit to uh, Jumpcast co-host Charlotte Harrison for this because she, so last year when we were doing, we did like a rundown of like the uh, lifetime Christmas movies that were coming out that year. And she had this big book of like create your own Hallmark Christmas Amazing. movie. And it was like Mad Libs, but it was like a high flying blank is going back to the town of noun trees, like synonym, <laughs> for, synonym for forest or something like pines or something like that. And it's like the whole thing is just like, okay, you can have like a high flying macrame artist mm-hmm. is going back for this big macrame festival of christmas and it's like you can just put in whatever you want like taxidermist yeah that kind of thing um call it christmas stuffing uh, why not <laughs> chef's kiss yes love it thank you um but yeah it is like there are so many films i mean in my day job i come across so much stuff which is just like christmas movies and like coming across channels which just play them from like mm-hmm. june to june to march and like a little bit of time in between where they'll play some rom-com stuff and then christmas again bam like straight away yeah yeah isn't there like a sky christmas channel isn't there like- literally yeah it's just like there is it's almost like an like military industry complex but for christmas movies it's just like yeah man like there were levels when i was thinking like if I was looking at this negatively last Christmas, just like trying to find the the shortcomings of it, I was thinking if if it weren't for like the Hallmark Christmas movie people of the world, like this this does kind of unfortunately fit that bill. It is the unironic, it is the unpretentious sense of like we're going to make a happy joyous christmas movie mm-hmm. there are going to be two incredibly good looking people who have got loads of charisma one of which might be a bit grouchy and not entirely with christmas the other one's going to be absolutely joyous and full of the christmas spirit and we're going to make them come together and it's going to be fireworks mm-hmm. and that is what you get in this film like on an elementary level yeah 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 Oh yeah, like, and we've talked about this film. Yeah, we talked about this film for nearly like an hour or so. Oh god, <laughs> and we haven't even talked about Michelle Yeoh. Okay, the, yes, the, the, the absolute yeah. goddess 
who is Michelle Yeoh is in this movie. And it's just like, it's, it feels like it's such a flex from Paul. <laughs> like, do, you know, do you know who I'm going to get to play Amelia Clark's boss? I'm going to get Michelle Yeoh. Like, why Michelle not? Yeoh. And like, she gets like a great little subplot with this kind of like, again, <laughs> again, I, lo- I love that this, this film is like, it does little things like the fact that her, the guy she's like going out with is, is again, like, has it a guess like a Eastern European guy, and it's like he yeah. didn't he didn't have to be. He could have just been a another British guy and stuff like that. And it just like kind of like when it can, it just does like kind of things where it's like, well, why not? Why what yeah. why, why isn't he an Eastern European guy? And it's almost like something something beautiful about like this kind of. I know the British dream isn't a thing, but like in the kind of ideal world, and unfortunately, like. As, as we hit like the day we are speaking like people have tried to cross to this country and have lost their yeah. lives and yeah. it's like in the kind of what britain really is is this amazing melting pot and especially somewhere like london is this melting pot of absolutely different cultures and people from different parts of the world and this film just subtly slots that in do you know what i mean like with like the interracial couples throughout and stuff like that and it's not a thing it's not like yeah. the the it's not a plot point in this film it's like that's just what britain do you know what I mean and it's yeah, it might, yeah. It, it might to a lot of people be this kind of fantasy idealized version of britain but it's like nah for a lot of people that's what it is or, or if yeah. they don't if it's not immediately what they see it's what they want to see because like and yeah i really take my hat off to, to 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 this film for that aspect yeah no i completely agree i think like michelle yo is just she's so joyful mm-hmm. in this film yeah. <laughs> like it's just like every time she pops up because she is the proprietor of this christmas store in covent garden that wouldn't and exist she... well it wouldn't exactly. exist being run all year round <laughs> <laughs> but i was i was thinking about this and i was like you know what? There are exactly the type of people who are just weird enough in this country where you would just be like, oh yeah, I own and run a year-long Christmas thing, like boutique sh- shop I in used, London. Yeah, I used to live in Brighton and they, they, they would have a rubber duck shop. And Yeah, I rest my case. People were just bonkers in this country. And I, like, I, I, I love it. It's great. There, there are tons of shops in, in, in Brighton, especially I'm sure London's littered with them as well. Like for, for ages, I used to walk around London and go like, yeah. how are there all these American candy shops? Which transpired oh, well. a, a lot of them were, 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 were dodgy and they were fronts for, for shady deals. Yes. But that was my thought for like, yeah, walking around the streets of Brighton being like, this rubber duck shop surely got to be a front for drugs. <laughs> like, this has got to be. This has got to be. But there's just someone, there, yeah, there's, there's these eccentric types like the kind of Michelle Yeoh character in this. He's kind of, amazingly changed her name every time she's got a new job to kind of fit the aesthetic (laughs) of where she's working. (laughs) She's working in a bakery. Yeah, muffin. (laughs) Short short and it's a muff. Muff for short. What a punchline. That's so good. (laughs) I was Kitty in the pet shop. I love it. I I was Miso in the health food shop. All of them are great. I think... What works so well for that? I think, first of all, Michelle Yeoh's comic chops have been really, like, until this year, I think, 
have just been really kind of underrated. Mm-hmm. She is really funny in this. And I think as well, like the interplay between her and Amelia Clark is that kind of boss subordinate relationship. I think, again, it gets, it feels, even though you have a director who's framing this with a, a removed uh, position as an American and certainly a, you know, and there's an American team around this, even though there is so much British talent on screen and in the writing team as well. Like so much of that does feel like it could come out of a British sitcom. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like it's that kind of like, it's the Arkwright and Granville. It's the David Brent and Tim from the office kind of thing. You know, it's that kind of vibe of like the boss who's just like, you would never exist in this real world. And then just the, the staff is just like, yeah, I'm just getting on. Yeah, and 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 there's like there's like sitcom conceits and the fact that like in the real world, Michelle Yeoh's character would never allow Amelia Clark's character to lock up. Oh the yeah, show. there is like <laughs> there is no way that would happen. Like no, like... no. <laughs> but it is just like I I love that. I think it's just again just speaks to this willing this willingness to embrace the Britishness of it all and just kind of being like. You know what? Let's let's not do the loud American thing. Let's do the understated. It's all in the face kind of thing. And I love you. Even got like like small people. You got like Patty Lapone playing like yeah. the kind of Amer- like kind of like I don't know like American tourist who's like deciding between two different two like, Jesus two Jesus baby Jesuses like <laughs> <laughs> that whole thing. But this one looks like he's so much. Fun. <laughs> <laughs> and more to come. <laughs> it's again, it's all in the delivery and it's all in the what's not said and what's left on the yeah. face and everything else. And like going back to Amelia Clark for a second, I mean she has like the most expressive eyebrows. Oh yeah. To do that. Like my God. Like yeah, she's she's got like a comic actor career in front of her somewhere. Mm-hmm. No. Someone's you... got to tap that, I think. Yeah, you just need people to like give give her the chance like and it's interesting to like like because i was never a game of thrones person so i never sure i never but yeah she's she's been in like literally one one thing since this yeah, which is a, yeah. a voice in the amazing maurice like she was on the stage in the seagull so i imagine that would yes, take up a lot yeah. of her time but it's just kind of this thing like, what is to come? Oh, she's she's been swallowed up by Marvel, so she's in Secret Invasion. Of oh, course. of course. There we go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she's in a film called The Pod Generation. Hopefully it's not a film about podcasters. No, it's not. Uh, <laughs> right, a New York couple and their wild ride to parenthood in this brave new world by using a new tool developed by a tech giant pegasus that sounds pretty good i'm i'm intrigued yeah that 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 does look pretty interesting right uh, oh yeah so yeah hopefully there's i think there's some interesting stuff to cut to come from amelia clark like for sure for sure i guess yeah there is that thing of especially being on what however many seasons of Game, yeah, she's in what sixty-two episodes of Game of Thrones. That's probably like, that's probably like <laughs> now she's doing that thing. Like, let's start to shake that off. Like, I can live comfortably yeah. for a bit on the residual checks, but like, let's slowly start to shake off Daenerys <laughs> and be 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 new characters. 
Well, for fear of plugging, I uh, don't want to get to that. And he's, you know, I I say I have no shame, but I have some shame. Um, but shame. yeah, like, I I feel like that's something I've discussed at so many times with um, the Potter trio. Like, mm-hmm. it's, they're in the same boat of just being, like, especially Daniel Radcliffe, where he can just be like, yeah, I'll take the ro- weird owl thing that's going to be on oh, streaming yeah. only. Like, I'll do that. Well, yeah, the fact that, like, obviously, yeah, we're speaking about Michelle Yeoh and obviously her big kind of, um, I don't know, return or, or I guess like kind of the spotlight being shone on her like really yeah. brightly this yeah. year is with the Daniels and Daniel Radcliffe played a, a corpse in their in their previous movie, yeah, Swiss Army Man. It's like, what <laughs> a fucking choice to make. Do you know what I mean? And like, <laughs> yeah, um, Emma Watson with like the bling ring and stuff like that it's like that's well interesting yes like yeah rupert grint he's he's done some stuff well no he's kind of been (laughs) he's been sucked into the fold of uh m night Shyamalan, which is it's kind of nice to see isn't he in the servant and now he's going to be in a knock at the cabin as well so i'm so excited for that (laughs) like i i feel like we're i i I feel like we're sidetracking a lot and i apologize um but yeah i'm i i have a bit of a fondness for m night Shyamalan. I'm not gonna lie. I, yeah. I, you know, his way of storytelling. It's one of those things where people can get hung up on the twists and stuff like that. And you know, twists will bring it back to Last Christmas eventually. Yes. But, uh, but I do think his storytelling is just so unique. It's so interesting. But just, yeah, I love it. Anyway, yes. Sorry, Last Christmas. So speaking <laughs> of twists, thank you. Thank where you. do you come down on the twist in this film? Obviously, you buy into it, right? I buy into it. I think. The way it worked for me is that I think because I had that kind of soft, soft impact of the trailer uh-huh. kind of going, yeah, this is, this is what it is. I'm sorry. It is what it is. Like the trailer almost feels like watching the trailer almost feels a bit embarrassed for the film, mm. which is a shame because it's like, it kind of has to set the whole stall out. It feels like anyway. So when I was watching it, I was expecting some absolute God awful mess and then watching us thinking, I really wish you'd saved some of this, but yeah. there we go. Um, so yeah, I was already prepared. And I think I'd already read some reviews that had gone into a level of detail with the film of going, this is what the conceit is. And so when I got into it, I found myself thinking, I enjoy the dynamic between Kate and Tom so much like every time they're on screen together, it's just wonderful and it mm-hmm. lights it up. And everything that's happening around it is so good as well. That when you get to the point where you have to do the, this is what it is, I did find myself thinking, yeah, yeah, no, that's absolutely fine. And, I, I get it. And I think the people this film is like, is really for. Like, I, I, because I, when I watched it, I kind of, I, I said to my parents, I was like, I think you guys would really, really enjoy this film. I was like. Obviously, Christmas is coming. You've been watching a couple of Christmas films, like mm. they're not people to go out and like watch trailers. Do you know what I mean they're not really cinema goers? So sure, I don't think they yeah. know anything about this film. So I think the twist probably would like obviously like it's I don't know like there are things signposted like there's a lot of stuff of like her illness, like you haven't been to the doctors and stuff like that. But I think if you're a casual enough film viewer. Like you're not gonna the the forefront of your mind is not gonna be oh he's a ghost and he gave yeah, her his, yeah he gave her his heart do you know what I mean like not 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 right at the beginning at least you might start to 
get onto things, especially when she's going into the the homeless shelter and saying like, "Oh, is Tom about?" and stuff like that. And then like, yeah, it's like yeah. when other people start to get involved, and then you realise, oh no, it's only her who's like yeah. mentioning this character. Yeah. I love that the film does this thing as well because I was watching it for the first time. I was like, I hope this, I hope it does it where they show you moments that you've seen earlier in the film. Yeah. But without yeah. him there. Cause I was like, the first, yeah, like when, when you watch that moment of, um, her like getting changed in the doorway and stuff like that and getting wolf whistled, it's like, yeah. When the reveal comes, it's like, oh, she just did, yeah, yeah. And you get the kind of, you get the image of it. It's like, she just did that with yeah, no one yeah. there. Like, it's even it. messier than it's, you thought she was. Oh, yeah. And like, that stuff is like, again, like you say, it's so, it's stuff that you can look for on a repeat viewing. Or if you know going in what it is, or if you're trying to be like sleuthy on the first viewing, it is stuff that you go, oh, yeah, clock that. But it's really well disguised. Like you could buy, like he was just really rubbish at covering her up. Or <laughs> like, oh yeah, there are hundreds of Toms in that shelter. Some of them are volunteering. Some of them are homeless. Like it's the whole thing of like, oh yeah, this could easily pass off. And like, it's not until you get to that end point where the guy goes, sorry, no, this place has been empty for months that the penny drops. And I thought yeah. they, I thought it was one of those things where they, made it make sense enough in the storytelling, like the fact that they could embrace each other and hold each other and kiss each other was because they are of the same body. Mm-hmm. That well, kind I, of thing. Like, and I think there's a moment as well, and I picked up it on the second time watch. I think there is like a, a very throwaway line where he refers to himself in the past tense. He refers to was. Oh. He says like was, and then it's like, I think it's really put in there subtly and I might have, I might have misheard it, but like, I think there is like a, a real kind of like, yeah, hint to it. And I, yeah, like, and there's, that's the thing, as cynical as I was kind of going in, the moment she's in that flat and it all starts to kind of realize, I've just put in my notes in all caps, like, I'm crying. I was, I, I yeah. was crying. It's just like, it's like you've, it's like the same thing as, Oh, to bring it back to John Swartzman, Armageddon. It's jingoistic, it's flag-waving, it's manipulative. Yeah. But every time that film kind of gets to, like when Liv Tyler's <laughs> speaking to Bruce Willis on the intercom, I'm a mess. Yeah. I'm yeah. a mess before then. I'm a mess when, uh, is it Bill Paxton's character, uh, Bill Bill Patton's character yeah. is going to like his, his, his ex-wife and his son and gives him the like, spaceship. Like, it's, yeah. and I know what the film's fucking doing. And I had that same experience with this. Like, I know what you're doing, Paul. I know what you're <laughs> doing, guys, but you've got me here. <laughs> you know what? It's, I, I love when cinema is just like, you know what? I don't even care that you can see the strings. I'm just going to go for it. Yeah. And it's like, because it's like, with everything that John Williams has ever composed, like, you know that he is watching that and just being like, right, okay, I'm going to get this exact emotion out of yeah. you at this exact point. And it's just like, I can I can see what you're doing. I can see every little detail. I can, like, watch your little, like, sketching and everything else there. I love it. Feed yeah. me more of that, please. Like, I don't care. Make it as obvious as you want. Like, <laughs> Oh, yeah, the, the trailer for The Fablemans, like, I watched that in the cinema and I was yeah. a mess. I was like, oh my God. This film is going to fucking end me. 
Yeah, but like, uh, certain first, certain first, like, I had it last year of come on, come on. Like, I'm, do you know what I mean? I'm a kind of, I don't know, a bewildered man in his 30s, like, basically trying to look after a young human and I'm really into audio. I was like, is this film about me? Like, yeah. do you know what I mean? And I like, yeah. just found myself like bawling throughout the whole thing. Like oh kind of one gosh. of the most cathartic experiences and like, like <laughs> made it be like one of my favorite movies of that year. And it's like, and there, was, there was something great about a cry. And it just it's like, yeah. And I think with this film is, I, I love I love when you cry in something that is not just I don't know as, as much as this film is geared to make you cry with that the film as a whole is supposed to be joyous fun and funny and it's yeah. like they're the best I think they're some of the best cries when it's kind of like it's surrounded by fluff and fun absolutely and I think of, it's a film that lets you I think it's saying like it's okay. Like it's it's not ever a point of going like really you this got you kind of thing. Like when I was watching it again earlier today to make sure I was fully refreshed on it. And that point after the pennies dropped and she goes to the garden and praying for time's playing and he's there and he's and he says that line it's like it was always gonna be yours one way or another. And genuinely I was like I've gone. I am like properly a hundred percent. Like, yeah, I am blubbing. Like, yeah. <laughs> but I think the film. I, I don't think at any point in watching this and the stuff that's around it, like, it's never jarring. It's never shocking. It's never weirdly dissonant to want to be feeling like that. I think mm -hmm. the film all the way through is just going like, it's okay. This is going to be a big sentimental ride. Like, go for it. Like let it let it all loose, and it's got the Paul Feig things. I know when he got the script for a simple favor, like that was a lot more darker. Mm. And, uh, <laughs> his kind of thing is, I don't do unhappy endings, and it's like yeah. the, the, <laughs> the, 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 this film just and ends out on top. And I'm not sure if you've seen. There's an alternate ending to this film, so well let, let, let's talk oh. about how the film ends. Obviously, we have the big kind of musical review she does at the homeless shelter yeah. which is a great speech and then kind of ends on a, a family having like a christmas together they've welcomed in the the, the martyr's like girlfriend into the house and then yeah. cuts to uh cuts to katarina i guess as we'll call her at this point because she's I guess she's accepted that that is her name as well. Which yeah, is she's embraced part, that again. A part of the big change of her character, like writing a journal on a bench, which I guess is what Tom has become, right? Is her kind of journaling to herself. And I imagine it's like... Yeah, yeah. You could almost have had when she's in those moments, in those flashbacks, it could have easily just have been her writing in a journal. Like that is like Tom is this... Yeah like yeah manifestation of her kind of in a psyche um so that yeah the alternative the alternate ending is um it flashes to four months later after the christmas dinner i'd imagine and um katarina is now a tour guide around london and okay. she's taking a group of like tourists around and she's got this clear bag 
that is full of their phones as well, which I like as like a oh nice okay yeah. So she's kind of embraced like the thing of Tom like put the put the phone down kind of thing like let's let's put it away. And she's at a corner and tells them a story about two guys having a fight about one of them nicking their cheese and threw him out of a window. And she's like, <laughs> no, it's it was actually those guys. Look up, and it's that corner where you've got that the two mice arguing oh. over the piece of cheese and that's kind oh, of that's so i like that <laughs> genuinely i didn't even know that existed but man that would have been just perfect like what's the word wraparound storytelling kind of thing mm-hmm. yeah it's a... like just ah oh. and i think with endings we need to talk about the fact that i think every paul feig film at least <laughs> he shoots it he doesn't always put them in yeah. Is he shoots a musical sequence for the end of his movie? Right. Do you know about oh, this? Okay. That's that right? He shoots a musical sequence for the end of every movie he does, essentially. Like, so oh, I yeah. Think, I think the Ghostbusters one became the credits. That just became bit. the end credits. Yeah. Because was, I remember them, I remember hearing about this. It's like, it was like a million dollar sequence of when Chris Hemsworth character possesses everyone. Mm. and makes them dance that was meant to be in the film and apparently that was like yeah like seven figures yeah like of of like having to film that and they're just like yeah chuck it in the credits <laughs> like wow okay sony um so there was like he filmed i'm not sure if you can see it anywhere but he filmed a musical sequence for the end of a simple favor i've heard about this isn't it like a kind of flash mob type thing mm-hmm. so there's that and obviously this film has like, and it's very much a part, it's, it's weaved into the story of her doing like the musical review. Yeah. But it just begs the question, and I guess this is the closest he's come to it with this kind of jukebox soundtrack of, of um, George Michael tracks, but like, how much does Paul Feig want to make a musical? <laughs> and how much better would this film have been? If it were a musical. <laughs> See, oh, that two excellent questions. I think on the first one, I think someone's I think he's just waiting for someone to give him the script and the money. The money. I, I think, think the money is the I think the money, the money is, is the, big the key one. thing. He can do a lot, but he can't do he can't make miracles on what was this budget again? Like twenty million? Yeah, tw- twenty five to thirty million. Yeah. I don't think you can Blimey. Yeah, there's no chance. <laughs> yeah, no, he, he needs that J- Damien Chazelle money. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, oh yeah, yeah. Paul Feig's Babylon. That's what I'm looking forward to. <sighs> <laughs> um, but yes, on um, the second point. Oh God, what was? I'm losing my mind here. The second point. So, would this have been better a as a musical? Would have been better musical. Yes, sorry, thank you. I don't know because it feels like it's going to be from that again that first bit where it's in 1999 Yugoslavia and you've got Katarina as a child singing heal the pain mm-hmm. but then it doesn't go there i think i i like those films that cuz i have the same kind of feeling um in terms of like i'm happy it wasn't a musical but it could have easily been a musical as ron howard's the grinch mm, yes cuz like it has that one bit where um what's her name she in that she she did she's done music since Cindy Lou who uh, I'm not sure I, was I gonna, can't remember her name now it's yeah. just escaped me but when she does like where are you Christmas and that's like that's the one musical number in that film it's just like every opportunity like it almost feels like it wants to break into song like um 
like the prince in Monty Python, the Holy Grail. Just like, sometimes I want to sing, and then someone comes in and goes, no, 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 yeah, like, yeah. none of that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's like it's, there, there are so many films where you get that hook. I know at mm. one point that was supposed to be a musical, and I think there's like there is there is like a song that his daughter sings right at one point, but like yeah, that that feels like a film that at any moment you think like Dustin Hoffman is gonna like go into like some wish wash buckle. Do you know what I mean it's a kind of pirate <laughs> shanty <laughs> song or something? That's it. And like you have this where there are, I mean, I think the needle drops work just as well. Mm-hmm. I think they, some of them are on the nose. And I think, again, that's fine. Like I said before, give me obvious. I don't care. Oh, yeah, <laughs> if you, a character waking up to wake me up before you go, go. It's like, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like, or like the mum breaking free of her fear of being labeled an outsider to freedom. Like, yeah, yeah <laughs> give me that. <laughs> I love that. Again, it's like, that you have these songs and you have this story for a reason. Put them together. Like I wish when Tom the... had like asked her to go on a walk, it had like, let's go outside. Genuinely. Go outside. <laughs> the, the real, the, especially with the kind of, uh, the story behind that song and it being an, an answer oh, to his like public indecency charges. Like, yeah, <laughs> like, a real fucking middle finger to everyone. <laughs> They just walk past the public toilet. They're like, oh, no, not today. <laughs> <laughs> no cottage in here. <laughs> oh, God. But I think, <laughs> I do think that the songs on their on their own stand up enough. I think, um, like, yeah, and like the reprises of certain ones, like when they go back to Praying for Time and like, you know, Last Christmas is through this one so much. And... And like heal the pain as well when it's like when she's singing it at the start and when she's kind of not entirely sure where she is and then she sings it to Tom in the flat and it's just like it's just a sweet moment where you kind of realise that she's starting to find herself again and it's like they the songs are so integral to it but I think having them as this kind of cut in occasionally mm-hmm. I think works better than if they had done like a Sunshine on Leith or if they'd mm-hmm. done like Mamma Mia or that kind of thing. Yeah, because I guess there's a whole thing of like you have to bend the story for the songs to work almost. Whereas this, they kind of get to have their cake and eat it. They get to have this yeah. this great music kind of aiding and aiding more in like emotion and tone as opposed to like actually propelling the story forward. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Although I would kill for a version of this where Amelia Clark and Henry Golding sing I knew you were waiting for me with Henry Golding killing the female part. I I I I I love the fact as well where he says like I can't sing and then like lo and behold when he when, like he can definitely hold a tune. Do you know what I mean? Oh, like, yeah. The class cla- classic Hollywood that, isn't it? Classic Hollywood. <laughs> it's the I'm hideous, take off the glasses and loosen your hair a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 I can't sing. crooning amazing there were moments oh man there were moments in this where i did think are they just being a bit clever like clever clever in terms of like what was going on at the time film weights well in terms of film politics because i just want to draw attention to this there was a moment where they do a little bond riff Mm. And this was like around the time when people were going, Henry Golding could be in after Daniel Craig, could yes. be the next one. And it's like, I love those little nods as well. It's a bit cheeky. It's a bit like, 
Yeah, I, I just love that. It's again, it fits entirely into the remit of don't do anything cynical or snarky, but just be a bit cheeky. Yeah, and you know, you know as well that Paul Feig is open to some level of interpretation or feeding people lines, like obviously mm. having the killer script there, but then going like, how about on this one, you like maybe <laughs> say something about him being like James Bond? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, let's kind of, let's kind of, yeah, let's kind of tease the audience. And I think. I think it's a joke that has aged really well because I think that's still in the so. conversation, right? Like well, Henry <laughs> Golding is, is kind of, they said they want to go younger. Henry Golding's still quite young. Like. He is. I. You know what? He is, he needs a better agent, first of all, because I think some films he's been in recently have not been fantastic. Snake he's eyes. been really good in them. Oh, man. What was that? Was, what was the Jane Austen thing he was in? Was it Persuasion? Something like that, that he was in recently. And he was like, far and away the best thing in it like he turned up and he was like the scoundrel and every time he was on screen i was like man you deserve so much better than this film mm -hmm. and for the rest of it i was like christ this is dire <laughs> and then he came back i was like oh yeah i'm back in it now and it's like that and i wasn't a big fan of the gentleman the guy ritchie film but again like his bits in it i mean yeah that film's iffy in terms of its politics and you know it's depiction of uh non-white characters mm -hmm. but again it's like oh i'll watch anything with henry gold again yeah like, that, he's, he's always game that film's got so many people in it i really like and then the film itself i was like oh boy Joe. yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah and i love the fact that jeremy strong has kind of come out and been like yeah that's not a good film <laughs> no <laughs> i love how everyone was like it's guy Ritchie's big return to making the kind of geezer crime films it's like well maybe he should have stuck to the aladdins of the world like, well, yeah, his his oh new film boy. feels like it's been coming out for like the last eighteen months as well. That I does that film exist? Was the there was a film that was coming out forever and ever, and people were like, it doesn't exist. No time to die. That's it. It was the Bond film. Of course, it was. And, and, and like, Morbius as well felt like that as well. That's it. Yeah, it's like they've just made enough footage for a trailer and nothing more. Yeah, because he's got one. Yeah, it's Jason Statham. I think like Josh Hartnett's in it. It's called like. Aubrey Plaza. It looks oh, like yeah. an extended SNL skit or like a it funny does. or die clip. It's called something like, oh God, like, like, like coup de coeur or something like or that. like the Monaco swindle. Like, it's a really <laughs> bad title. It is really weird. Yeah. And that's, yeah, just bizarre. But yeah, Henry Golding, I think just do more last Christmases and do fewer the gentlemen's please. Yes. I, 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 yeah. So uh, as we start to, Let's start to wind things down. The, the the fire is burning out. The carol singers have stopped singing. Um, <laughs> is there anything else on the uh, the film that we've not talked about that you, you feel like we need to to uh, at, at, at all, Simon? I think I would say because we only really touched on it briefly, but I was I will give massive props to the amount of distance gotten out of Michelle Yeoh saying elf in increasingly frustrated tones um i just love that i think that's fantastic um i think the plethora of british talent on screen so you have people on like even for five seconds like sue perkins like peter serafinovich who again just popped up in spy if he popped up in other things like the heat i couldn't tell you because i haven't seen that but you know it's just those things like like you say they're not on for a lot of time but you just kind of go oh it's them like patty lapone's like patty lapone's in there like rob delaney seconds. yeah 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 Rob Delaney's there like I love that and again it just kind of feeds into this like this must have been the most like 
people just wanting to be like, oh, I'll be on for five seconds. Go on then. Yeah, I'll do it. Because Paul Feig just seems like one of those people. And yeah, I just want to reiterate, just I don't think there are many Christmas films set in London that look this good. Mm. Yeah. Like I can't I can't think of I can't think of many films set in like a lot of the time when London is on film, it's made to look like an absolute chitter. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so like, so like back to Guy Ritchie, it's like yeah, let's, let's film in the grimiest parts of London. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, like, yeah. I don't know, I guess layer cake, it looks all right, like some of it. Like, I think that's probably the extent, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so one of the things we like to do here on this podcast, as we start to wind things down, is look for Coppola connections within the film. Is there anyone in front of or behind the camera who has worked with Ooh. the Coppola family? elsewhere in their career did you manage to find any simon i was looking but i couldn't actually but i don't know if that's just because i wasn't looking hard enough yeah there's only, there's only a few obviously paul feig has worked with john schwartzman a handful of times or whether it's yeah. um this simple favor and uh da, 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 da. oh is he sh- did he shoot the school for good and evil as well school the new for one? good and evil as well which brings me on to Patty Lapone, Rob Delaney, and Peter Serafinovich are also in they School are. of Good and Evil. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> so John Swartzman was the DOP on that, and Henry Golding is in A Simple Favour. Again, John Swartzman worked on that film, as opposed to anyone else in the Coppola family. I couldn't really find who Emma Thompson doesn't really seem like she's worked with a Coppola, which uh, no. I don't know. She would have been great in Dracula. I'm just saying. <laughs> just, just turning up. Um, yeah, that, that, that's it for our extent of Coppola connections for this episode. So it's Christmas, guys. I'm letting you off of not having a massive <laughs> list. And, and myself as well. It's my, my Christmas gift, gift to myself is not looking through every single person who worked on this film's IMDb top to bottom, because it takes a lot of time. <laughs> and they're like, Santa, uh, no, they're naughty. They've got no Coppola connections. They're nice. They've got one. <laughs> um, so let's get on to rating this film. And the way that we do that yeah. here on this podcast is we talk about what would be the perfect wine pairing for this film the coppolas love their wine simon mm. what's the perfect wine pairing for last christmas okay so i'm torn between two and i think either both christmasy both festive so we're either going for um are we allowed are we are we able to get as specific as shops that you can get this from yes okay brilliant. specificity okay, so. is what we want right okay in that case have a bottle of this. So in M&S, yeah, we're going fancy. Their Bucks Fizz, which is Clementine and Cranberry Bucks Fizz. Ooh. It is the most, oh, it is proper, like, it's still fizzy, it's still sweet, but it is grown up. It is, like, a little bit sour, a little bit tangy, a little bit tart. It is Ooh. the business, genuinely. Oh, I think I'm going to be treating myself to a bottle of that, my <laughs> Oh yeah, oh yeah, and like you know what? For that shop, not that pricey. I'll, okay. I'll tell you. So, but very, very nice Christmas treat, or any bottle of red, mulled to death, nice and hot, Whoa. wrapped up in a blanket. 
Yes, please. That's going to be me tomorrow night, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Old wine up uh, to, to, to my eyeballs. Yes, please. So, uh, Absolutely. I've got Absolutely. a groovy. A little I think bit this, of rumming as well. I think this oh, has yes. got a mold wine vibe to it. It's kind of, it's, it, it's warm. It's heartening. Do you know what I mean? It's yes. Like, oh, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Um, I think, yeah, watch this late night, loads of blankets around you, big warm mug. Yeah. Perfect. So, so, someone someone you love and you don't feel ashamed about crying in front of. That's, that's, exactly. That's the here to watch exactly. this film with. Um, so how much are we <laughs> paying for this wine? AKA, is this film any good? Is this bottom shelf, middle shelf, or top shelf wine? Oh, you know what? It comes around once a year. I think you've got to pay top dollar. I think it's going to, that's coming off the top shelf. Oh, okay. This is a top shelf, top shelf film for you then, uh, Simon. Okay. I think, I think so. I think so. I was thinking, you know, eye level is by level, as they say in retail, as they no doubt say in this Christmas boutique shop. But, <laughs> but I think, you know, I'd go a little bit further than that. You, I'd go a little bit above. You, you're getting on that little step still. Absolutely. I'd be like... <laughs> Craning my neck over, just checking out all the good bits. Love it, love it. Um, I'm, I'm going to have to go for middle shelf. Like, I think this is a nice, a perfectly serviceable like three star movie. And I would be lying if I said I'm not going to rewatch this film because I, I probably definitely am. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it, it's, it's a, it's a lot of fun. Like, oh yeah, give it five, seven years, and it'll be like, well, we've got to watch Last Christmas. It's Christmas time. Like, it's, it's, it's the tradition. Yeah, I, I I think so. I think this like will, and especially that the fact it is kind of like a it will be like a relic of its time as well. I think I mean? so. Like, it will, I think so. It speaks to the time that it was made, which I think is is interesting. Well, which can be like a dicey move or a Christmas movie. Yes, at the same time, but unfortunately, I don't think that injustices to people who are different probably gonna change that much do you know what I mean we've had honestly we've had, yeah we've had do you know what I mean we've had hundreds <laughs> of years of history books that have shown us that that ain't the case <laughs> yeah I I have to say when I was watching this I was thinking god there's probably a time in 2019 where I was thinking oh god yeah we're gonna look back on this and think God, imagine when everything was terrible, and now it's just like, oh God! Remember when that was like the tip of the iceberg? Yeah. Oh, remember 2016 where everything was quite rosy. <laughs> I remember when everyone was just angry and not angry, cold, terrified, and everything else. Yeah. I, if anything, a day I'm looking forward to is when we look back on the times now and be like, remember the online discourse. How foolish we all were. <laughs> <laughs> Which I feel is a perfect time to mention this because it's 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 festive. And I saw possibly one of my favorite um my favorite tweets of the year was an image of Michael Caine leaning out the window that just said, You there boy, what discourse is it? <laughs> oh no. <laughs> That's, that's so perfect. It's just... <laughs> oh, no. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I can't wait. To, there's, there's a book looking back on all of that going, what were people doing arguing so much <laughs> online about films, philistines? 
Um, You'll be waiting forever for that book to come out because the person who writes it will get like three chapters in and then they'll spend three months just with their head in their hands going, Christ, the discourse, what were people thinking? The discourse, <laughs> uh, the discourse of this book being released will kill me. <laughs> uh, Literally, I think it might be so powerful. It could kill God. I think just the power of that, it could like level a large city. That's, uh, I'm going to do it. I'm going to write it, guys. This is a New Year's resolution, baby. Um, In like 50 years, there will be like an Oppenheimer level biopic of you. Just the. <laughs> the, the, the now I am become discourse. That, 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 that generation's. That, that generation's Christopher Nolan will manage to replicate the. <laughs> the furore and anger without using CGI technology. Perfect. <laughs> and he'll still, insist, he'll still insist on shooting it on film despite no film ever existing for another century because yes, yes. everything's just been lost forever. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, before we get on to whether this is based on this yeah. film, they're the greatest film fan of all time, I've just got to say one thing as a, as a little Christmas message to everyone. Um, especially if you're listening from Sony, um, can we get a new Oppenheimer trailer, or can you stop playing it in front of every single film oh, at the cinema? God. Yeah, it's just like you know what I like the gimmick of the countdown thing, but it's just like when you see the same one in after three weeks, or whatever it is, and it's still the same times and dates. It's like, nah, yeah. that's a bit hokey, isn't it? Yeah, it's just. Uh... And all you're doing is, like, I, I kind of like it, because it, for me it's reminding me, oh, yeah, Barbie's released that day as well. Genuinely, <laughs> I am so excited for Barbie. Like, inordinately excited. They don't even have to drop a trailer. I'm going to be there. Yeah, of course. Goslin, Margot Robbie, that's what I'm going to play. So, <laughs> with all of these kind of uh, Christmas detours we've been on, none of those were Christmas detours. I'm just saying Christmas because <laughs> it's Christmas, guys. Uh, so, based on this film alone, Simon. Yeah. Are the Coplas the greatest film family of all time? Ooh. Ooh. Based on this film. You know what? I, as much as I'd say this is a top shelf film and as much as I love it, I can't say this would be the film I'd show an alien civilization and go, behold the Coplas. I think I would be going for something. I think I'd be going for what got me to bring it, to bring it, all the way around. To bring it all the way around. I'd go apocalypse now. You you'd gather them round, go. Just just got this, just got this surround sound set up. <laughs> I just got the surround sound. Come in, come, come in. Sit, sit yeah. uh, are, are you the leader? Sit in this chair. The, the, the optimum sounds right here. Yeah, five point one. This is yeah, yeah. It really sounds like that. You, you, you wait. You wait. You, you wait for the choppers. You wait for those choppers. You'll think twice about probing us up the arse. You'll think twice about decimating our planet. Wait for the choppers. Like, ah, oh, yeah, it's Zorglax from the planet Zorblon. And behold, our great technology of Dolby Surround. <laughs> we have travelled light years to find out the... <laughs> Not even Atmos. The pinnacle. 
Wait till you, wait till you, wait till you go, wait till you go to a Dolby Atmos cinema, guys. It will blow your fucking mind. <laughs> so let me let me let me ruin the fun and ask you this next question, which is which okay. Coppola family member would you keep? But in doing so, so, you get rid of the entire filmography of the rest of the family. Okay, no pressure. So I have thought about this. Um, you'll be shocked to know. Um, and so I was thinking because I didn't. If if I were going on pure like even on connections on like past marriages things like that, I would say in the tenuous connection. I think in terms of the influence on my upbringing and everything else, I would say probably. Spike Jones, if he was still married to Sofia Coppola. However, I am not doing that because he's Spike Jones. That's, <laughs> that's nullifying the entire family. So I think, given everything, I, you know what? I have to say it has to come down to Big Daddy Cage. I think, Nicholas, I think <sighs> it's, it's, I know that it's like the, you know, the big answer, but. You've got so much in there and so much still to come. And like when you get to a point in your career where you can start to kind of refer back to it in films where you're going like, okay, yeah, you made this film. Like it gets to a level of like critical mass in terms of like cultural impact. Right? It's like, well, what... okay, yeah, we're at a point now where like outside of the family name, he is just himself an institution. Well, when you can make a film like Pig as well that like kind of, yeah subtly talk like yeah subtly talks about the career that you've had in this beautiful way through yeah. a different profession and kind of talked about like these do you know I mean the wilderness years of Nicolas cage and the wilderness years of that character if if they speak to anyone it's, it's the harder Nicolas cage fan of being like oh he was riding high and then got to a point where he was on the the straight to straight to vod yeah wilderness and it's God. it's so heartening to think we are on the precipice moving into 2023 mm. and he's kind of got all of these projects and working with so many interesting like new voices in cinema and like yeah. kind of uh proven proven talents and people who've kind of yeah and on their sophomore features and stuff like that which is like it's the new golden age of Cage is coming. That's all I'm saying. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, he's, I mean, oh man, Pig, what a film that is. Genuinely. I watched that, I think I watched that in the best possible viewing experience. So I saw that at the Prince Charles Cinema <sighs> on release week and it was packed, absolutely packed. I could only get a seat in like the furthest aisle across, like proper like crane your neck, like get a crick in your neck from looking across at the screen of it. And that whole that entire film man holy moly like let alone that monologue where it's just on that chef's face as it breaks apart mm -hmm. when he's just being told everything is just bullshit like let alone that and just like the whole third act of that film yeah like genuinely at the end of it i felt like i felt like i'd had an epiphany you know not only did i love that film it has brought it has brought about like one of like my kind of greatest achievements on this podcast which was a, a mini series i ran over multiple episodes called the pig cast where like oh gosh i managed to interview david Nell, the actor who plays the chef you were just talking yeah. about 
the composers I interviewed. I interviewed the producer and co-story credit, uh, Vanessa Block. I spoke to Michael Zarnowski about the film. Amazing. I even got to speak to, um, um, what was his name? Chris Zarnecki, who was Nicolas Cage's like uh, guru when it came to looking like a chef. He's the guy who like Amazing. taught him how to look like a chef. And it's just like, the fact that not only is it a great film, it was made by just like these great people and like you kind yeah. of whether they whether they intended to or not, ha, like not only had something to say in a profound way about what it is to be human, they also had this like yeah, it's it's, it's a really profound film about Nicolas Cage as well, and I think yeah. it is a film that I like. I can't see anyone else playing that role with the kind of gravitas that he does genuinely genuinely like just everything about that film is just so special truly yeah i can't i can't can't agree with you more Um, (laughs) well before i let you go and scoff down some mince pies eat some figgy pudding and yeah or or maybe go hassle your neighbors for some figgy pudding to say to them (laughs) i won't go until i've got some absolutely um i must ask you what does bill murray say to scarlett johansson at the end of lost in translation oh okay now this is a very good question because this is the eternal question as well this is the big one you know what i think he's saying to her i think in some universe there is a level of existence where bill murray has seen and loved last christmas and so he's whispering to scarlett johansson you know what i'm fine with the twist of last christmas because when you watch it in the context of the whole film it just works (laughs) lovely lovely on 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 that note simon tell us where can people find you and everything you do of your podcast whether it is the jump cast or if it is um my notes have scrolled past me and i can't <laughs> remember the ridiculous it's title not... for this other little women in black thunderpants podcast <laughs> yes. where, can, where can people find all of that and where can people find you online of course thank you so uh jumpcast is um the jumpcast online movie review podcast we are on hiatus currently uh working out some bits and pieces but we may be back but watch this space um, but that's on Twitter. That's on at jumpcast underscore. It's on all good streaming platforms, as is Little Women in Black Thunderpants. It's my pet project, started in lockdown and co host with Callum Cooper, uh, the wonderful Scottish film critic who is just a delight to be on with every time we do it. We've got some more coming soon. Going to be recording some, got some in the editing queue to do whenever I find a chance. So there'll be more episodes coming of that. Again, available everywhere. As for me, I am available to be followed, if you must, at Simon R. Whitlock on Twitter. I'm on Instagram as well, at wit underscore nonsense. And basically, in public, in the southeast of England, if you really want to get, you know, beyond the barriers of the internet. Amazing. Well, th- yeah, thank you so much for joining me for this extra special Christmassy uh, edition of Copla Connections. Well, thank you for having me. It's been, honestly, this is the best way I could have spent Christmas. Oh. It's, it's been a joy. Thank you so much. As, 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 as we talked about earlier, a Merry Christmas to you. And a Merry Christmas to you and a Happy New Year. Oh.
have it, guys. An absolute festive treat for you. A big, warm dollop of mince pie with some nice, cold, lovely ice cream for you to just keep you hot, keep you cold, keep you perfectly tempered throughout this festive period. Again, a massive thank you to Simon. This is the first time I'd ever met Simon. We hit it off perfectly, and I couldn't have asked for anyone better to have this conversation with. It kind of, it, it really, it really just kind of captured the spirit of the times in this film, and it really is one of my favourite conversations I've had on this podcast. And I think it's conversations like this that make the podcast worth having. There's all these people I get to speak to, whether they are massive names, whether they are, I don't know, celebrities in their own rights and stuff like that. And not that Simon isn't. Simon is Simon is great. Simon is lovely. And that makes him just as important as anyone who may have millions of followers and uh, some cachet within the world of podcasting. It's, it's these conversations. It's these human connections that mean more to me than clicks, than people coming through to the podcast and being on any list or anything like that it's being able to have these types of conversations being able to share these types of conversations being able to share a passion and love for films which very much is what this podcast is all about and moving forward will be even more so and so much chasing big names and stuff like that and obviously there is chance to have those i love having conversations with people who I guess kind of make me feel slightly frightened, but regular people make me feel slightly frightened when having conversations with them anyway. So I guess having that added pressure and feeling like I'm, I don't know, making people like me is very much, I think, part of the metatextual um, message of, of this podcast. It's not just me trying to find the connections within the Coppola family. It is also me trying to make connections with people that I speak to through a shared love of film and it happens to be through the Coppola family that I'm doing it but I could be talking about any films and still trying to desperately find connection with people and I think that's what we're all trying to do and in 2023 I guess what we should all try to do less is to argue less with people about film yeah people may have differing opinions and it's nice to have conversations it's nice to have debate about those things but just remember that there is a human on the other end of that keyboard there's a human on the other end of that phone and so what they might not like a film that you really like they might really like a film that you really dislike at the end of the day it doesn't matter we're on a burning rock and we're hurtling towards our ultimate oblivion at some point so just remember that next time you go to type some vitriol to a stranger on the internet well that is as much as a kind of christmas message as any as you're going to get from me just remember guys that i absolutely adore and love every single one of you that listens to this podcast anyone who has shared this anyone who has taken the time to listen you really do have the love and kind of i cherish you from the bottom of my heart and uh i don't know i'm not even pissed get me pissed and i'll probably regale you with even more adulation and love that, that i could do all the people who have been on this podcast this year thank you so much everyone who's kind of 
been involved whatsoever, even if you don't know it, even if you're somebody that I've listened to your podcast and gone, you know what? I really love what they're doing. That spurred me on to do better at what I'm doing. I love you. I love you all. This has been um, it's been a great year, and I'm sure that 2023 is going to be an even better year. We've got we got more fun stuff coming. This is going to be the last episode of the year, unfortunately, but we're going to be hitting the ground running in 2023. Uh, we're going to be kicking off with Cageuary. So all of the month of January will be dedicated to conversations all centered around all things Nicolas Cage. And the first conversations we'll be having is one with Daryl Edge of the Cage Rage podcast, where me and him will be looking at 2022 in the year of Cage. So not just kind of, uh, all, all professionally, we'll be looking at kind of the film that he released in The Unbearable Weight of Massive Talent. We'll also be looking at the fact that Nicholas Cage managed to break out onto the, the world stage of cinema and managed to get some um, some great kind of interviews under his belt, was back on TV, was back on the front of magazines. And we'll also be having a big conversation about what it is to look forward to of Nicholas Cage in 2023 and beyond. We'll kind of be getting out our crystal balls and kind of having a guess what these films are going to be like, kind of tempering our excitement and your excitement for cage films to come so if you've enjoyed this podcast or any other episode of the podcast this year or any other year please don't hesitate to head on over to apple podcast spotify or wherever you're listening to this right now and give the podcast a lovely five star rating and review remember in your review to let me know what you think that bill murray says to scarlett johansson at the end of lost in translation could be anything could be hey my favourite Coppola family film is The Godfather because I think it's great. My favourite film starring Nicolas Cage is this because I think it's great. It could be whatever you want it to be. It could be, hey, I like to put people in bins because I'm not a very nice guy. I'm Bill Murray. Uh, so, yeah, whatever it is, uh, head on over, do that. Head on over to patreon.com forward slash Pod if you would like to give me some money. Uh, at the moment, it's not really going... Uh, on to do do much it's kind of it's, uh, it, it helps keep the lights on it kind of helps me to be able to buy any equipment I need to buy I've noticed recently that there's been a bit of a humming in um, my microphone so I might have to buy some new cables I might have to buy a new microphone so if uh, yeah you could pitch in that would be great if you can't that's also great so um yeah if you want to get in touch with the podcast should have probably done this bit a bit earlier but hey it's christmas all things are out of whack we're all out of whack let's just keep things out of whack and yeah um head on over to all the socials so that is at caged in pod if it's a social media and it's got an at it's at caged in pod twitter instagram facebook letterbox tiktok and wherever else you go hive socials on there that's died a death I was, I, was, I, was on, I, was, I was on all these new social media platforms that were popping up. Uh, but you know what? I'm going to be there on the on the death throes of Twitter. I'm going to be there pushing away. Um, so let's just do that. Let's just, let's just, you know what? You want to drop me an email? Do that. It's cagedinpod at gmail.com. Drop me an email and we'll have a lovely chat. So I very much hope that you have a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. Remember, I've been Petra Patsilavus, your guide for the crazy world of the Coppola family tree. Remember to keep it caged in, and I'll catch you next year.
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is presented by the Breadcrumbs Collective, home of the Pod Charles Cinecast, Caged In Coppola Connections, A Droop Town Limery, Maine, Franchised, and many more to come. Our shows are all presented ad-free and made possible by listeners like you. Please support our shows by subscribing, leaving ratings and reviews, and becoming patrons at patreon.com. If you'd like to learn more about Breadcrumbs, head over to breadcrumbscollective.com. Breadcrumbs. It's more than a podcast network. It's family.